Allen. Morning, Monday morning. Sad news, isn't it, about Robin Gibb? I know you've been talking about it all night. And uh, I, I was just reminded, for those people who came in late in the Bee Gees' career, that there was so much more to them than Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever was that... that let's see, look at me starting already. Uh, Saturday Night Fever was, was the album that brought the Bee Gees back, as it were. Uh, up until then, they'd been happily trotting along, you know, turning out the, uh, the albums for the fans. But nothing hit as big a Saturday Night Fever. That that album launched them all over again, and that's when they started writing songs for the likes of Barbara Streisand, Dionne Warwick. They all had resurgences in their career. Up until then, the Bee Gees, as I say, were just like any other album uh, group from the 70s. I mean, one of their best was Cucumber Castle, which, strangely enough, I purchased as a Christmas present for somebody who shot one ago. I found it on Amazon and paid, like, 20 quid for it. And it was worth every penny because it smelt like an album should smell. And some of their early stuff was really, I mean, really good. It almost, I thought, made Saturday Night Fever pale. But that was the album that brought them back and that was the album that, that relaunched the boys again. But they had so much tragedy in the family. Andy Gibb, of course, dying. He had his problems with, uh, with drugs. Uh, Morris as well, who, uh, again, lost his life far too young. Now... Now we've lost uh, the latest one at only 62, just literally a matter of days after Donna Summer died at the age of 63. Barry must be sitting there with the rest of the family. They're a very strong family. They are very, very family-orientated. They're very much, you know, they, they ha- they've lent their house to Tony Blair before now over in Florida. He's used their house before because the, the family have this one house where they all go back to. So there'll be lots of, uh, lots of good memories, I should imagine, for, for Robin Gibb, who for many was the voice together with Barrett. I mean, I know it seems strange, doesn't it? But when I think of all the, the hit singles, uh, it was Robin who was able to hit the falsetto bits and it was Barry who did all the other bits. Then he started doing, ha, 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 staying alive, staying alive. And there was a lot of, uh, lot of vibrato going on. But uh, either way, he's, uh, he's finally found some peace, which I should imagine over the last few months must have been a nightmare for him. And, uh, and for anybody else going through things like that, it's not easy. It does come as a blessed relief at the end where you think, you know, it's finally... T- Just when you think that he's going to get through it. It's most people with sort of cancer, you do get that. You get that a lot. You get people who sort of, who pull through it and you think, oh, they're, they're better. And then all of a sudden they take a downward turn. And that was it. He hadn't been able to speak for the last uh, week or so. And he was just communicating by flickering his, uh, his eyelashes. But uh, either way, blessed relief for him. Sadness for his, uh, his lovely wife and the kids. But uh, they will get through it. They are strong. And at least it gives you the opportunity to go check out their early stuff. You know, you don't have to check out Saturday Night Fever. There's loads of... Check out Cucumber Castle as an album. I play it constantly. I absolutely love it. Uh, Apart from that this morning, uh, we had a very nice time at the Lady Rattlings yesterday at the Royal Garden Hotel. My God, I had fish I've never had before. Brill. Have you ever had brill before? God, it was delicious. It was absolutely wonderful. So we had that and met some lovely, lovely people. And so I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. Plus... Who has been named the the rudest store in Britain? Which magazine have been out? And they've obviously done an undercover survey. They've been into various stores and uh, and they've sort of tried to find out, you know, what, what the staff are like in there. Who is the rudest store in this country? Let me tell you, scoring only 51 out of a out of 100 for which magazine? It's Halfords. Halfords get the big right down the middle, I'm afraid. Hotly followed by W.H. Smith's. I can testify to that. Halfords, I, I don't really have much, um, much, much to do with Halfords at all. I've been there and bought little bits and pieces. But the staff, I mean, generally speaking, I tend to find the staff in those sort of stores, I don't know if they don't look on it as a proper job or if they just really couldn't give a toss. 
It's, it's, it's a bit of a fine line as far as I'm concerned. You go into a store, you want, you know, it's different if you go into a supermarket, you've got to buy stuff. If you go into Halfords, you know, you're expecting the, the people behind the counter to sort of know something about what they're selling. And they do. It's just that they have a lax... You know, I've, I've, I've been served by people in Halfords who've carried on a conversation with their colleagues while they're serving you. I'm, I'm all, you almost feel like saying, I'm a bit superfluous to your, uh, to your relationship, aren't I? You know what you really feel like doing? You feel like being served, going, thank you. Walking out the store, then walking back in five seconds later with a full film crew going, these two rude little so-and-sos have just carried on talking all the way through. You know, when we had it in Greg's a short while ago, and Greg's wrote to me and said, look, let us know which staff it is and we'll deal with it. And I said, no, they'll, they'll be aware by now. People know, you know, when you've got managers in stores, they go in there and they look. And they watch. Uh, the other place that uh, really doesn't score very highly is Pound Stretcher. Now, I think we've got Pound Land. They're all much for muchness, aren't they? Pound Land, Pound Stretcher, 99p store. They're all selling cheap stuff. And so I shouldn't imagine the staff in there really couldn't care less. Why would they care less? It's only a pound. You're going in there to buy something. What difference does it make to them? They don't own, it's only people who own the stores that are going to be nice to you. Uh, also, one here, I've never heard of Brantano. Is it Brantano? I don't even know what that is. Must be a store up north or something. Blacks? What's that? Never even heard of that. I don't even know what these stores are. No idea at all. Tesco, hiking. Oh, God. BHS apparently doesn't score very well. Tesco doesn't score very well at all. Isn't that funny? I thought they'd have been, been quite good. Top of the shops. What's number one? What do you reckon? Lush. Oh, no. M&S aren't even in the list, I'm afraid. <laughs> They're not even in the list. Lush which is owned by uh, Mark Constantine, as you know. I've known Mark for about the last, God, 30 years when they had cosmetics to go and uh, and now they've got uh, Lush. Second, John Lewis. You can understand that, can't you? I tell you what I've discovered. Where did I go the other day? And they've started saying hello to you when you walk in. I went into somewhere the other day and I'm thinking that's the second time I've walked in and somebody said hello and you turn around and go, hello, where the dickens did I go? I must have gone somewhere, somewhere that was sort of a bit unlikely where people say hello to you. And I wasn't sure if it was new company policy. Third is Apple. People like Apple. Because you go in there and there's lots and lots of assistants just trying to find one to serve you is the big problem because they're all sort of touched. I get somebody for you. Hello. They're all a little bit sort of buzzy-buzzy for me. Lakeland. I don't know if you've ever shopped in, in Lakeland. Online, they're the best company I've ever dealt with. Lakeland Plastics. I mean, they're just... They must employ ladies and gentlemen of a certain disposition who are just polite to deal with. I mean, they really are lovely. Um, electrical store, Clarks, which I'm assuming is shoes. Richer Sounds, they're always quite good, aren't they? Uh, Disney Store, underneath Richer Sounds. Ikea, good God, really. And, uh, and Morrison's, but it's Lush that scores best. Worst is Halfords. Unless, of course, you think differently. 84850, steve at or 08456060973. Which is the rudest store? Which is the rudest or which, which one, in your opinion, have you not had? Which one have you had really good service at? Because I think, you know, good service should be applauded. If ever you had a, a nice time in a store, you should say to somebody, you were really pleasant. Thank you very much. But they'd, they'd be so surprised. I'm not really sure. I went out. What did I go to buy? Some, I went to buy something. Oh, I bought some more eye cream. Decided to get a bit carried away and buy some more eye cream. And um, I did that. And we had cyclists all going through Twickenham the other day. There were loads of people, loads of cyclists here, loads of fit people. Because I think yesterday there was a triathlon taking place around our uh, uh, area. And for the first time ever this morning, in ages, we had a police car. 
in Leicester Square. First time I've seen one in a long time. Before, when, when the square was all, you know, before it was as is at the moment, and it opens on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, they open the square officially, which I think is the 23rd. Um, and we had a police car down there. I looked at it this morning, I thought, oh, that's nice. A bit like having sort of an escort. Uh, Halfords in the countryside tend to have experienced mountain bikers. You think so? Well, they, they, I mean, where, where do people go now to, to buy bikes? Do they go to Halfords or do you, do you buy them on the internet because they're actually cheaper? I don't know. I have no idea. I just know that a load of people go in and they uh, and they look around. I mean, I looked around Halfords, um, but I've never found anything to buy. You know, they've got strange things in there. It wouldn't surprise me if they're, if they're one of the next sort of casualties on the high street. I don't know why. I just get the feeling that they're, they're, they're sort of... We've got some big Halford stores, some little ones. And I think, how many people want to go in there for an air freshener? I'm, I'm not absolutely certain whether or not it's, it's, it's doing the best that it could. What do you reckon? 84850, uk or stevedlbc.co.uk, 0845 973 uh, so we'll talk about that this morning. We'll talk about Robin Gibb as well, if you're a fan as well. And I'm also a bit shocked by the people selling their Olympic torches. You know, you'd have thought you'd have wanted a piece of history. All the people out there who uh, who sort of got the opportunity, the thousands of them, to actually own one of these things. Why would you want to sell it? Some bloke said, oh, I had to do it because I'm really hard up. They cost 500 quid to make. And uh, the, the runners get the chance to buy them for £215. Although those who won their places through sponsors, like Coca-Cola, were given them for free. Apparently people have flooded the internet with, you know, who are these people? Why were they chosen? If they're just in it for the money, just flogging things. It's disgraceful. There's an absolute lack of respect for everything that it all stands for. Cheap little so-and-sos. But of course, if you're desperately hard up and this thing could make even a thousand quid, that's a thousand quid you never had before. Some bloke said, I've tried putting it on the mantelpiece. It doesn't look right. I thought, you cheap little so. Oh, God. My wife just had a baby. Well, you should have thought about that. What were you sort of planning on having the baby around the Olympic torch? Oh, good. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll have a baby, get her pregnant, and then hopefully I'll be picked out for the Olympic torch. Then we can flog it and survive. Of course not. Ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Drives me mad. 84850, uh, We'll take your nominations for best Bee Gees song as well. Uh, d- d- uh, Melody Fair, Melody, because they did the soundtrack to the uh, to the film Melody, which had Mark Lester in. Great film. That's the one that's got When I was small and Christmas trees were tall. Da 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 da. It's a lovely, lovely. It's a super film. It's about little children falling in love. It's beautiful. It's at Mark Lester and a little girl whose name I can't remember, but a lady wrote to me ages ago, and she was in the movie. She was actually in the movie because they used ordinary kids. It was lovely. It, it really was. A, I think it was also called Sealed with a Loving Kiss, uh, Kiss Swalk, S-W-A-L-K. Great film. It's available. It's not very expensive at all, but worth worth getting, if only for the BG soundtrack. And, uh, oh, it's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, everybody else the other day was waiting for an Olympic torch runner. What did they get? Somebody who'd shoplifted from the co-op, hotly pursued. They were running down the road holding a bottle of rosé. Luckily, they were caught. Love it when they catch shoplifters. Bang them up, that's what I say. 16 past four. LBC 97.3. 17 minutes past four. It's Monday morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Kev says, the trouble with our country, Steve, is that nobody seems to look upon a job in retail as a proper job. I've been in retail all my life. Well, it's more of a way of life, in my opinion. He's an old-school milkman. It's true. When I worked in retail, when I was back, when I was 15, 
and I worked in retail. We looked on it as a proper job, not a stopgap. I mean, as it turned out, you know, in, in I've explained this before. The analogy is go to Italy, go to any uh, European country and have a look at the people working in restaurants. Some of them can be 50, 60, 65, because they look on it as a career. They don't think it's just some sort of stopgap. That's why all the staff that you get in Starbucks and Cafe Nero, they're using Polish girls, Czechoslovakian girls, because they look on it as a career. They seriously... I mean, I've known no end of girls go from Starbucks, just, just sort of serving coffee, to being a manageress or a manager, and they look on it as a career. Over here, I mean, they have got... I mean, I don't want to be rude, but I'm going to have to be, I'm afraid. They, they, they swapped one of our girls in our Starbucks for a guy from Teddington. So we lost this girl. Middle English, a bit ditzy, a bit ditzy. Hello, Steve. Morning. What did you like? You know, a little bit sort of over the top. And so they swapped it, and we've got an English bloke. Now, I'm sure he's perfectly pleasant, but frankly, there's no, there's no enthusiasm... Whereas all the girls, morning, morning, him, nothing, blank, blank. And I said to the manager, I said, you know, I bet you won't last. You know, because you've got to put your heart and soul into it. And, you know, if you don't want to do it, then I'll often let somebody else do it properly, because they'll do it much, much better. Jessica. Um, yeah, good morning, Steve. Morning. Um, I agree with you, I can't believe it. Um, I mean, this is obviously one of your favourite subjects. What? Um, well, sort of, um... You- customer service. Well, it's only because it's the same for everybody. It's not one of it my favourite topics. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very much... I, I mean, I do a lot of shopping online, like we all do, because it's convenient for, for your lifestyle. So if I'm making an effort to go and shop, I'm, I'm putting aside a time, you know, a part of time that I could be doing something else. Mm. So I very much expect certain standards to be met, and they include... You know, I've made an effort to show up, so at least make an effort to sort of welcome me. Yeah. Um, I demand that. Um, and I am quite sort of... I'm not a, I'm not an awful shop. I'm not someone that will kick off for no reason. But if I'm going into a, a high-end shop, mm. where probably I'm going to spend maybe £100, then I want to be approached fairly quickly mm. so that, you know, the shopkeeper, you know, the, the shop assistant can ascertain what it is that I want what helps you can be, and that's where your sort of transaction with the shop begins. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, at the same time, I'm, I'm not looking for subservience. I'm not looking for anybody <laughs> to bow and scrape. I'm just looking for somebody who's polite, who's got a nice smile. I think that's too. And um, I mean, if you pay, it's like anything, you pay more. So when you're going somewhere like John Lewis, I'm not at all surprised that John Lewis is on the list. Mm. You, you, part of what you are paying, the premium, goes towards staff training, um keeping staff happy by giving them a fairly decent wage. You know, John Lewis has that genius idea of making its employees... You're all partners. ...stakeholders yes, in the company. Of course. Perfect. And also, it, it's, it, it's, part, it's called customer service. Exactly. The whole idea is you go into a store, if you have a nice experience in John Lewis or wherever it happens to be, you go back there because somebody will say to you, what was, what was it like? And you go, actually, it was, it was nice. If you have a bad experience, you go, we're not going there again. Exactly. That's why I've never understood local restaurants. It's in their best interest to be nice to everybody because you ain't going to be driving through Croydon, park up and go, I think we're going to try that restaurant over there. It's going to be local people. So it's in their best interest to be nice to local people because they're your repeat business well i mean i think if you see a restaurant that's busy on a wednesday and thursday they, they're good at their job mm. you know um that's a pretty good indicator but obviously when i've had a really good experience in a shop i will take time out and say oh thank you very much that was really helpful um, and then i will probably go back to the office and i'll mention my good experience and 
It's interesting that, um, did you say that Lush came out at number one? Yes, Lush was number one. Yeah, I mean, that's an independent kind of... Well, no, it's a I mean, huge it's a chain. It's owned by but... Mark Constantine. It's a huge chain. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it is, but it's franchise. It's, it's small, it's, it's part of the chain, but there's a manager in there that's motivating staff and saying, look, this is how we want this brand mm. to be perceived. It's a luxurious brand, so let's give people a really good experience. I went in Poundland the other day, <laughs> and, you know, because occasionally you have to go in there just to see how the other half live. You seem to uh, live in there. Well, I, I think you're a little bit impertinent. I have been in there a number of times. It's replaced Woolworths. And that sometimes they go in there and they've got some quite good bargains for little... I mean, let's face it, anybody who can pick up Sherry Blair's autobiography for a quid and Nick Ferrari's autobiography for a pound, it's worth going in there. I'm not going to pay retail. I'm a bit too mean for things like that. So I go in there and they've got a manager. There's a queue of people, which must be 20 strong, and the manager is faffing around like a girl's blouse while there's only two girls on the till. Get somebody off stacking the blasted shelves. Get them behind the till. Take the money. Grow up. Don't be so blooming stupid. I mean, I don't know why you would want any of these things that you, you go and look at in there. Oh. Um, I mean, when you're going to Poundland, you've got to have reasonable expectations, Steve, of what your experience is going to be like. Yeah, but they do sell brand. It's all, I only buy branded stuff. I don't buy non-branded. Well, I mean, I can't say I've had a huge experience of Poundland. But, oh, you need to go. But I wouldn't expect, you know, I'd expect Poundland to be... Filled with people that, I don't know, um, are doing some sort of community service. Common people. Poor people. <laughs> Common people. There's an well, awful lot of gore-blimeys going on in Poundland. You ain't going to find anyway. too many people around Iowa going, hello, do you, you wouldn't happen to have any, any Worcestershire sauce, would you? You don't get that in our Poundland. It doesn't happen like that. But then you see it's... But, they, but only branded. Only buy branded goods. Same in Iceland. Only buy branded. I don't buy Iceland brand. I buy... Proper brand. But then I discovered a short while ago, and it's kind of ruined my life, that a lot of the big brands make stuff for other shops. So the coffee that they sell in Poundland from, from Nescafe is made specifically for Poundland. It says on the jar, made for Poundland, which means that you're not getting exactly the same quality coffee you would be if you bought the full price stuff. Get my drift? And that's how... But people go in there because it's a pound. I'm not expecting anyone. I'll tell you what, what really, really annoys me. And I, I shouted through the windscreen. I got a bit angry. We've got a, we've got a car wash down the road. And I always go there because I like, I like getting the car wash because I can't, I haven't got the energy to do it myself, frankly. And I'd rather pay somebody 10 quid to do it. And you go there and they, they all love it. Forward, forward, forward. But they don't, but they don't speak English. So they just, forward, forward, stop. So I always deliberately go a little bit further forward just to sort of just, just get their, their feet just under the front wheel so they can't move. And then they sort of back, back. I thought, I know how to drive a car. I know how to drive a car. Some of those are very... There's a couple of really good ones. A couple of them are very, very infuriating. And uh, another one here. Staff in Sainsbury's can sometimes be rude. In the magazine section, I get stalked. And dirty looks if I put something back in the wrong place, says Donna. She'll probably well think so too. I can't stand people like you. You're the sort of person who stands there reading the magazines at WH Smith's on the railway station, but you're too tight to pay for it. They flick through it. Oh, it's a picture of Peter Andre. Oh, picture of Peter Andre. <laughs> That's what you... I hate people like that. People who pick up newspapers and stand there reading them. I hate that. It's like people going into Starbucks and taking food from Greg's. Go and sit in Greg's and eat it. Because they don't want to. They want to sit in Starbucks. So you get all the blooming students. Oh, dreadful people. Dreadful people. Anyway, what else was I going to say? Oh, yes, bad news. Sorry to bring you bad news this Monday morning. Lauren Goodger. Remember the old fishwife... From the only way is Essex, the one who went out all but briefly with poor little Mark Wright, whose career's gone, oh dear, right down the swan. I'm sorry to report that. But, and, um, yes, even though you can read all the overhyped stuff in the paper, the man's still a dingbat. 
Whichever way you look at it. They've had some more pictures of Mark Wright at Venice Beach, very gay area of Los Angeles, uh, where all the muscle Marys go out. And, uh, and they've got Mark Wright there. The same photo shoot. He obviously just did it all on one day. It's obviously a real cheap programme because he's wearing exactly the same outfit. This time they've actually put him with some girl who's, uh, they've done, oh, she's a volleyball champion. Like anybody cares. Like, so you're a volleyball champion, I love. And that's the best that Mark Wright can get with his numpty friends. But no, no Jack Tweed, who's his best friend. No Arge. Because Fat Boy Fat is still stuck in the, uh, the Only Way is Essex with little Joey Essex. He's got a lot of blemishes, hasn't he? I've noticed recently. But anyway, and so Lauren Goodger has had to eat humble pie and apologise so she can get back into the programme. Worried there wasn't any work, Lauren? Because there wasn't for you, was there? Yeah, foul-mouthed old bag. We've seen some of these rows you've had on there. God, you really... I've never known anybody with such a potty mouth. Awful. So in London, says, I, I broke my foot in a store in Lewisham by slipping over and the little idiot behind the till kept laughing and smirking. I told the manager and she said how sorry she was, but he was still smirking when she was talking to me. She said I could fill in a complaints form, but uh, I was in too much pain. No, you must go back and fill in a complaints form. A friend of mine did that. Somebody, somebody I know very well indeed uh, fell over and uh, said to the manager, complaints book. Uh, we don't have... Com- get the complaints book, mate. You have, you know, you have public coming in your shop. He's taking them to court. He's suing. You absolutely sue. I said to him, you should sue. Definitely. Because if you walk into a store and somebody, say, drops some fruit and you trip over in it, you sue them. OK? I'm not normally a suing sort of person, but you've got to hit some of these shops where it hurts. Because they have a complaints book and you have to have it registered. And it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's good. You absolutely go. You absolutely go and, and you do things like that. Don't, don't be fobbed off with some manager who, who treats you as if you're dirt. No, no, no. You, you take it higher. You take it higher. Uh, don't forget, staff that work in these pound stores are working for nothing, says Jazz. So? Couldn't care less whether they're working. If, listen, you don't want to work for nothing. Get out. Go somewhere else. Go sit on the street corner rolling joints. I couldn't care less. Not interested. That, that feeble excuse that because they're not paid very much money, they don't have to treat you very well. Don't work with me. It really doesn't work with me at all, I'm afraid. I'm not remotely interested. They've, they've taken a job. You know, it, it'd be like, you know, you don't earn very much money, so you take a job at, you know, tyre fitters are us. And you go there and you go, oh, I really can't be bothered to fit tyres. Well, that's what you're employed to do, so you fit tyres. If you get a job in Poundland or Pound Stretch or the 99p store, they're not paying you very much money. That's not my problem. The problem is that you expect people to go there and you expect them to do a day's work for a day's money. You don't want to do it. Toddle off. Somebody else will do the thing for you. I'm not, I'm not going to put up with ignorant staff, I'm afraid, because they're not very well paid. Somebody takes that. Nobody drags you screaming by your hair in for the, in for the job. Adam says, I've just watched War Horse. Still in tears now. What, half past four in the morning? You can't still be in tears at half past four in the Good God, on it's Monday morning. Good grief. 84850, uk or 08456060973. Rose says, uh, I was in a a store the other day and overheard two male members of staff swearing and chatting about a girl. Yes, I've heard swearing in stores before. Mind you, we sat on a train the other day. I've got to repeat this story to you. I don't don't really like to, actually, because it's a very posh school. And all the children get on at Putney... And they're all terribly, 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 terribly. These children are so terribly, terribly. It's almost embarrassing. And and they're really... They're, and, and the boys have got big kit bags. And the little girls are all there. And they're all called Violet and something like that. And they get on the train. And they've en masse, they're all probably about 12, 13. They're all very, very noisy. And there's this man sitting there opposite me and Graham. He's up two seats down. And all of a sudden, he boils over. 
and he says in a very loud voice, will you lot shut the... And he uses the foot word, up. It, there's a hush falls over the carriage. He gets off at Richmond. They all start mimicking him. When you... Up. They're all going, all these little kids. And I'm thinking, I don't want to hear little children of 12 and 13 mimicking an adult. And I should have said to him, listen, don't use that language in front of me, let alone the children. Grow up, you silly little buffoon. But anyway, the kids started mimicking him. And I, so I videoed them on my phone. And I'm going to send it into the headmaster just to prove just what their, their kids get up to on the train. Because I'm a caring person. It's LBC 97.3. It's 4.30. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 28 minutes to five, Monday morning in London town. It's glorious. I don't know what the weather's for. I'll have a check in a sec. Is it good today? All right. We'll find out. Uh, Joe says, just to let you know, Bren- Brantano is a shoe shop. She says, think they took her from Barrett's and Black's are a firm of outdoor clothing and equipment store. That's not... Uh, I used to have a Black's of Greenock tent. Packs of granite tent. I'm sure years and years ago. And uh, re Robin Gibbon the Bee Gees. I've been quite upset at his death. I have to be honest, I thought it was going to happen a uh, while ago. We all did. He took a downward, uh, downward turn and, uh, and then he pulled back. Such is, uh, such is the case. In, it's just so awful, isn't it, when you think about cancer. And there'll be a lot of people listening at the moment who've been touched by it, lost a family member or somebody who's going through it at the moment. I've lost track of how many times I've been through it in our family. Really have. I've, I've just, you, know, you sort of, you just get through it in the best way you can. You, you, you get through it and it makes you stronger. And his family, they're a strong family anyway. I promise you, they're very strong. They're very private. They won't, they won't take the intrusion very well. They won't like that kind of thing because they live privately. Down in Oxfordshire, Robin and, uh, and his family live. They've got a lovely manor house. Lovely. But she's so polite, his wife. So, so right on the, on the money that uh, when I did an interview with her years and years ago, she had a book that came out, and she's, she's a bit like Jilly Cooper. She writes a little handwritten note afterwards saying, thank you very much indeed for your time. You know, a real, a nice thing to do. Something which, you know, is sadly lacking in this day and age, I'm afraid. So our, our thoughts are with uh, his wife and the, uh, and the kids. But they're, they're a very strong family, but they're private at the same time. They like their, their privacy and they'll deal with it in their own way, as indeed they've dealt with it you know, twice before with the uh, with the other boys. Um, so, Memories of the Bee Gees, your favourite song. Worst service in stores, as Lush has come out top of the list of the best service. Worst service is Halfords. Now, all this survey will do will kickstart Harrods into, uh, Halfords into issuing a statement saying that, you know, they're going to go... What they need to do, it's management in stores. If you've got shoddy shop floor service, you've got poor management. You know, the people on the shop floor should respect the manager that they're working for because they're the ones that guide them through it. If this has got, you know, bad service stamped all over Halford, people will go elsewhere. They vote with their feet. We're not stupid in this country. Thank you very much indeed. So people will kick Halfords where it hurts. It's up to Halfords now to pull their finger out and to go round to the stores and to send their own people round. I've had friends of mine who are mystery shoppers. There's probably some of you listening at the moment have had a, a, you know, have been a mystery shopper where you go round and you report on the service in restaurants, in shops and everything else. And you go back and you report back to head office and you get paid for it. Something like 30 quid a day or whatever it is. It's, it's something nice to do. And, um, and you, be, you become a shopper, difficult shopper, whatever sort of shopper it is. And that's what they need to do. Quite clearly, somebody's taken their eye off the ball and the standards have slipped down. So you've got to get it back. I don't want to walk into a store and see people stand there twiddling their thumbs. I really don't. 
You know, there's always something to do, but make sure that you're always very mindful of the fact that a customer's going to appear at any time. I don't want to have to go, I mean, which I have done before, when they tell me, go, oh, sorry, and I go, it's all right, no, you carry on, really. I've got all the time in the world, don't worry. 84850, uk or... 84850 or 08456060973. And the flame carriers. You know the bloke I told you was selling because his wife's had a baby and they need the money. It doesn't look right on the, on the mantelpiece. He's taken it off eBay. Whereas another woman hasn't. And she's got bids of up to 7,000. And uh, she says, I was wondering whether it was right. So I asked my grandfather and he said you could create more of a legacy and funding than uh, one bit of, of anything else could do. So if you can get £8,000, that'll go towards a, a good cause. That's fine. If if somebody's selling it, and it's going to a good cause, that's fine. If somebody's selling it because they need need the money, then I'm I'm anti it. I'm really. I mean, yesterday I won two prizes in the raffle at the Lady Rattling's ball. I won a jewellery box, which was very nice indeed, which my friend Liz Fraser got. I gifted, I regifted to to Liz Fraser, which I was very pleased about because she, I don't think she, I don't think she'd won anything. She's I've never won anything on the raffle before. So lovely Liz Fraser got that, and then when I won the second time. It was gift vouchers for Marks and Spencers. So I gave them to my friend Graham Cole, who was in the bill, and he's giving them on to a number of charities that he works for as well. I think one of them is Childline. So lots of people then benefit. Because so, I didn't need vouchers for Marks and Spencers. Well, I mean, I did, but I mean, there's no point. You know, if, if you win something, it's automatic that you just you give it away again. Something like So, I mean, you know, it's a nice thing to do. I was, so I was very, very pleased for, uh, for Graham Cole, his lovely wife, Cherry, as well, and lovely Liz Fraser. And I met, oh, there's some lovely people yesterday. Lovely food. I'll tell you about that in a moment. John, morning. Good morning to you, Steve. Morning. Uh, uh, right, it's Shop Sound of Bee Gees. Okay. Right, uh, I'm talking about a, a corner shop now. Oh, dear, that's unusual. Well, yeah, I know. When I'm in Hounslow, what do you expect, Steve? Yes, no, I mean, it's unusual. <laughs> what, bad service in a corner shop. Yeah, yeah, Blimey. yeah, you're right about that, yeah. Um, no, I went in there to get a, a newspaper and a few bits and pieces, and um, I, w- I went to the counter before I picked up the things I wanted. I went to the counter to ask him about something, and he's, he's on the phone. And he held his hand out. Yes, yes, yes. You, you've had that. <laughs> they, they, they do that a lot. <laughs> oh, that is, that is so rude. Steve. Because they I think mean, that you're really... buying something, even if you're not. So they're on the phone and they hold it because they think that you've either picked up a newspaper and you're going to put money in the hand. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really bad manners. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, I've Never... had that before. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, Steve, <laughs> my sister's 80, nearly 81 and she's still got a sense of humour because she said, when Steve had a CB, I wonder if his handle was treacle. Do you know, strange enough, it wasn't. And I'm not going to tell you what the handle was, but <laughs> you're along the right kind of lines. It was a very old handle. Actually, talking of 81, I met a lady yesterday. She was a past queen rattling, Joan. And very sprightly she was. And she said, I'm 91. Night- I tell you, I looked at her, I thought, you cannot be 91. Roger de Courcy was down there. He looks good, you know. He looks... He's- I said, uh, <laughs> said, have you lost weight? He said, no, I've just, just changed my tailor. But this lady Joan at ninety one, oh dear, it was, it was really, really lovely. It was, it was a super, super day out, and uh, lovely. Even though you can't find anywhere to blooming well park in London, it's absolutely terrible. I mean, it really, you know, the worst, the worst thing is. And also, Barbara wasn't very well, so Barbara couldn't go, which was a, which a, a, a bit of a shame. But the special guest was Patricia Hodge, who did a really good speech, really good speech. She did everything. She'd asked all the experts, and it was, it was just lovely, actually. And um, she she got the Carmen Silvera Award, 
and uh, Barry Burnett. You know, lovely Barry. I bet his mum's listening at this precise moment. She gets better looking as the years go by. I mean, she really does. I kept saying, do you want to sit down? She said, why do people keep asking me if I want to sit down? I said, I don't know. We just feel like we should ask you to sit down. But uh, I know she'll be listening and, uh, and Barry will be listening as well. Carmen Silvera was a past queen of the Grand Order of Lady Ratlings. And so they've set up this this uh, uh, award, presented in her memory, and it's to somebody who's a shining example of excellence in their field. So this year it went to Patricia Hodge, who, as you know, has been in, you know, the cloning of Joanna May. She's had Olivier Award. She's had all sorts of things. She's really lovely, really, really lovely. And I'm delighted to say that uh, Don Black was down there, the lyricist. What a child. You know, him and his brother, two of the nicest people, and Julie Rogers, who sang... Lovely. It, it was just really super. I'm, I'll tell you what we ate. I've got to tell you what we ate, because I'm a bit funny when it comes to hotel food. But they all, I didn't realise that they always go and road test the food. Did you know that? That you, you sort of go there and have a road test. So we had, uh, to start with, OK, very posh, this. Cheshire cheese and spinach pitiver, caramelised pears and cauliflower puree. That, that was for the starter. Cauliflower puree, yes. It was like a little sort of... Smear of it. Uh, then for, for Maine, sautéed fillet of brill on an onion tartin, saffron new potatoes, spinach gâteau and uh, Alsace wine fish sauce. It was delicious. I, have to, I could eat it now. I've never eaten brill before. Because you know me, I'm not, I'm not a fish eater. You watch that Stuart will be down there at, uh, at the fish shop in Twickenham now going, br- that br-. every time I mention anything, it appears on the front board. So for ages, when we were doing our thing about Pollock, and you know what I feel about Pollock, and he, he kept putting Pollock, and they, they kept saying to me, it's really nice, you'll like it, you'll like it. And of course, I mean, I, I can't cook, I don't know how to cook this stuff or anything like that. But the brill was delicious. I mean, it really was, absolutely. It just melted in the mouth, and this little onion thing, it was, oh, it's delicious. You know, never, t- there's never enough, though, is there? You also like saying, is there any extras? But I never have the bread rolls. And then for dessert, it was mango and lime souffle served with a mango and ice cream. And it was coffee and petty fours, but I never got any petty fours. I think Lionel Blair must have eaten mine, because him and his wife were sitting next to me. And he's just finished doing a come dine with me. And he did it with, wait, wait for this. He did it with um, 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 Keith Harrison Orville. And he did it with Kerry Katona. And he did it with somebody else. I can't remember who the other person was. I'm not going to tell you who won, because it goes out very shortly. But uh, it was... uh, He actually put a lot of effort into his menu. But he said the strange thing was that working with Keith Harrison Orville, he didn't have Orville out for the duration of his meal. He said that at the end of the meal, he gets Orville out. He said, and we all sat there staring at this dummy while it spoke. He said, you tended... He said, that's actually the sign of a very good vent... When you're not looking at the person operating, you're looking at, at the actual doll. It's, it's like Roger DeCourcy and Nookie Bear. Nookie Bear. You tend to spend most of your time looking at Nookie Bear, because he's so rude. <laughs> I quite like rude as well. I quite like rude. But it was, it was a lovely, lovely day, and I, I sent Barbara lots of love as well. Lots of, people, lots of people missed her. Lots of people missed her yesterday. So I was going, no, don't worry, she's fine. She's just not, not feeling too well at the moment. Uh, Mal... So it's just got back to the UK. Sad news about Robin Gibbs. Sad for Barry. He's lost three brothers at young ages. I know. I know. Absolutely tragic for, for Barry. But uh, I bumped into him in a magic store in, in Davenport years and years ago. And uh, he's, he's, he's quite lovely. You know, very, very talented family. But as I say, if it hadn't been for Saturday Night Fever and this, this resurgence 
in the music of the Bee Gees, and they and they wrote their stuff, you know, the Staying Alives and Saturday Night Fever, Night Fever, Night Fever. And I was working in discos as a DJ as that album hit, and you could fill a dance floor by playing Saturday Night Fever. And then you'd go on to playing the Tramps Disco Inferno if you wanted to rack it up a little bit. But you could play the whole album. I used to put the whole album on. There used to be a bloke that used to come in to the disco, Samantha's, up in South Ealing, which is now a gay bar. It's <laughs> terribly appropriate. And uh, you would put on the album at the beginning of the night. He used to turn up in a white suit, looking like John Travolta, and he would dance to the whole album. He just used to leave it. All the staff would just stand there watching him. Such was the power of Saturday Night Fever. The moment the album had uh, finished, he would, he would go home. He just came in to hear that in a, in a loud environment with all the lights on, because that, that was how it was. I might actually go and get... I might go and book Saturday Night Fever again. I don't think I've actually got it as a film... Always remember that bit of John Travolta walking down, you know, because he was like, you know, he was like the man, as it, uh, as it were. Uh, another one here. Uh, this is from Owen. He says, whilst home in Wales last year, I visited a Gap outlet and stocked up on we thought were Gap UK toddlers' clothes. Uh, on closer inspection, we found many of them had been made specifically for the outlet store. Obviously, we chose them and we liked them regardless. Seems a little bit dishonest. No, they do that. It's, it's like... That's what an outlet is. It's, it's selling uh, sort of other stuff that's made specifically or lines that have run out or last year's designs. When I used to work in, in retail, we used to have our sale every year and we had what I thought were genuine sales items. They weren't. They were bought in. They were what's called special purchases. But the outlet stores are also selling last year's products and last year's lines. But sometimes it's, you know, the design didn't quite make it. So that's why it is. You're, you're not necessarily buying, you know, that year's current thing and it's reduced. There'll be something that'll either be a second or a line that never made it. OK. So a friend of mine had a market stall and he buys a lot of uh, Jane Norman stuff because the people who make Jane Norman's clothes will say have a, um, um, uh, an order for, say, 2000. They'll make 4000, hoping they'll reorder. If they don't reorder that item, then they sell them off. And that's why you find them cropping up in markets. They're supposed to cut the labels out. And then they sell them on that way. That's how it works. That's why you then get a good deal when you go to markets. They, are, they aren't sort of knocked off or anything like that. They've just overmade an order. Overmade an order. So it's, it's actually quite, quite normal. And uh, he says, <laughs> we need your opinion, says Owen. All going well. In ten weeks' time, my partner and I will be parents to a baby boy. However, we cannot agree on a name. It's come down to Evan Reese from me or Jackson Teague from her. We think Evan Reese is better, actually. We think Evan Reese sounds nicer. Jackson, Jackson T, I don't know. Evan Reese travels a bit better, don't you think? Evan Reese Owen. Sounds very Welsh. Don't think so? I like that idea. Evan, you know, Evan Reese. I mean, put it this way, don't take our word for it, for goodness sake, but we all think Evan Reese. Okay. <laughs> we'll be in trouble now. I could just tell. I could just tell. Uh, the worst service ever, Steve, is the post office. Oh, really? See, I, I got really good service in my post office. Isn't it funny? We all get different... Doesn't it depend on how you go in? Doesn't it depend on how you go in? Bad attitude, never helpful and dismissive. Needless to say, I now use FedEx for everything. Best postal service around, as they say, pay little money, expect little service. Oh, I like our, our post office. I don't like being called out by number. Cashier three. They have it in Marks and Spencers. Cashier seven. I generally stand up and go, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, it's you. <laughs> And then wander over that way. We all do it, don't we? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Favourite BG song, because I go back 
to Cucumber Castle and to the 1st of May and the New York mining disaster and all, all that sort of stuff, you know, predating, of course, anything that they did for Barbara Streisand or Dionne Warwick or Saturday Night Fever. But uh, much missed Robin Gibb, who sadly died yesterday at the age of 62. Morning, Monday morning. If you have an accident in a shop, Steve, you must insist it's recorded in their accident book. They will have one as it's a legal requirement. Well, this shop actually claimed they didn't, and that's why this friend of mine is taking them to court. It's uh, amazing, isn't it? Uh, 84850. Did they roast Orville and did Kerry Katona serve up a load of Iceland food? I, I won't tell you what Kerry Katona served up. I could, I could actually tell you. She doesn't work for Iceland, of course, now. She's been uh, ousted because, um, because she's naff. You know, you want to try and up the ante, don't you, a little bit. Did you notice? I cut a piece out of the Sunday papers. I'll, I'll do it on the free podcast this morning um, of how... Um, who was that naff one on Loose Women who, who we got rid of? Who brought out the fitness DVD but was as big as a house? Um, oh, Colleen Nolan, a woman who had no opinion whatsoever. She thought she was an opinionated woman. No, only in the chav department, dear. No, in nothing else. And she, she wrote a piece in one of the papers over the weekend, obviously suffering from a dearth of publicity, saying that she's glad to be out of Loose Women because she hated the experience. She said there was so much backbiting because she really hated the money because she's often been known to take the old shilling, hasn't she? The old Colleen Nolan. The one who didn't sing in the Nolans, remember, ladies and gentlemen. She la-la'd. Not even very well, I'm afraid. And so she was, she was slagging it off. She was slagging off loose women and saying, you know, they're all backbiting and bitchy because we're opinionated women. You weren't. You were the drippiest thing we've ever seen. You didn't have an opinion on anything. You were just playing it for laughs, dear, because that's basically what your life has been, hasn't it? It's been laughs. But I thought it was a dreadful... But, and she doesn't really have any contact with any of them. Which I was, I was a bit hurt by, actually. I thought, nothing like biting the hand that sort of launched you. Because up until then, you were sort of like doing nothing, weren't you, really? Not anything. Oh, the Bee Gees DVD, John says, it's called One Night Only. I have it. I have everything by the Bee Gees. I'm a, I'm a terrible Bee Gees anorak. I'm a terrible Bee Gees fanatic. I, am, I, I really am. I, I can sit down and listen to all their... I mean, some of their songs are just wonderful. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, 84850. One here. Oh, Chelsea apparently won something the other day. Pfft, who cares? It's only football, dear. Overpaid little munchkins running around on the field. <laughs> kicking a ball around. Up Bayern Munich. Woo, woo. Bayern Munich. You know, apparently 200,000 fans turned out. Pfft, peanuts. Peanuts. Got more than that listening to the first 30 seconds of this programme. Ridiculous, isn't it? That's all they could manage for Chelsea. Unfortunately, I don't have any of their money, which was, uh, which was a shame. Uh, so, oh yes, I, I got a letter from Jenny Randall, who's chairman of the Friends of Jubilee Country Park, and she sent me a book uh, last year about the V2 attack on the Crooked Billet. And for 2012... She's got, in celebration of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, another book called Jubilee Country Park, Its History and Heritage. And being born, born of course, in Bromley, it's uh, very apropos. And she's on, it's on sale at Petswood Library for £5. And uh, if you live in that area, you should do yourself a favour and buy it, because all the profit goes to the work of the Friends of Jubilee Country Park. So it's called Jubilee Country Park by Jenny Randall. It's History and Heritage. And uh, you can get it at the Petswood Library for a fiver. And if you live in an area, you should always investigate its, uh, its history. Thank you very much indeed for that. Very nice indeed. Always happy to mention things that are local on the programme. We cover all sorts of things. Oh, Facebook guy got married. And that's uh, Mark Zuckerman. He's worth about 12 billion. How sickening. 12 billion. No, actually, I don't begrudge him anything at all. People go, he's nerdy and geeky. Who cares? 
Who cares? Don't care at all. I did care about all the pictures of the paper today of Cheryl Cole. Cheryl Cole um, is at the Cannes Film Festival. Thank God she never opened her mouth. And um, and she was there because one of these sponsors is uh, is L'Oreal. So because, she, because you're worth it, you know, in that butch manly kind of voice that Cheryl Cole's got. Because you're worth it, girls. You know, put your fake hair on and your fake eyelashes and your fake everything, but just don't let them hear you speak. So they try and make her as feminine as possible. But as you know, it's a little bit difficult when you're a truck driver, isn't it? So here she is at the Cannes Film Festival. Loads of people take your picture because they've got no idea who she is. She could have been a porno star. We've had that before at Cannes before now. But uh, despite uh, dreadful weather, nothing was going to stop her standing out there in a little outfit with her little red bag. And she was flown by private jet because, contrary to public opinion, uh, Cheryl Cole doesn't actually have a job. I'm sorry about that. She doesn't have a job. Will I am, that rather strange little person, on the voise, and that's gone down the swanee, um, thinks she's a singer. But we know differently, don't we? We know she's not, because we've heard her, which is, uh, which is sort of a little bit interesting. But there's loads of pictures of the paper off her today, because they think it's uh, fantastic. They think it's fantastic that she's turned up at uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Frankly, I was about as, as least excited about that as I was with Chelsea winning anything. But there again, if you're not a fan about uh, of, of football, why should you worry about it? Uh, 84850, uh Some claimed the most entertaining episode of The Voice, not just for the right reasons. Viewers have now accused the BBC's increasingly beleaguered singing show being a shambles and a train wreck. And I think it's Jesse J. They're, what they've done is they've put a load of people on television who aren't used to being on a panel. And if you're not used to being on a panel, and they've all got these egos the size of whales, then it's very difficult. So you've got Tom Jones, who's been around a long time, and probably can't understand why these people are fighting for him for a bit of space. You've got some bloke out of a group I've never even heard of called The Script or something, who they go, oh, women proposed to him. What a naffo. You've got Jessie J... Is she or isn't she? Is she or isn't she? Is she bisexual? Is she gay? It's overshadowing the music. She never had any money. She's she's naff. And then you've got Will I Am, who's quite the gayest looking thing I've ever seen, sitting at the end of the panel, wearing some of the oddest little outfits and texting and doing everything during the programme. Small wonder the audience have switched off in droves. Even the arrival of poor old Holly Willabooby could not save this turkey of a programme. And now, unfortunately. Barely five minutes in, one of the show's judges, Jessie J, had to restart a joint performance with her group of singers due to a technical failure with her microphone. There is a god. There is a god. But mind you, it's even worse. Over on Britain's Got Talent, over on the other side with Simon Cowell, they have a little boy band on, and, and they do the usual thing. They can't sing. But strangely enough... They then go, oh, we have another song. Oh, OK, you can do that, goes Simon, who's rewriting the rules of the programme as he goes through. If he thinks you can get a little boy band that appeal to little girlies and you can have them on there and they all look a bit cute and they do a little dance, you know, and then th- th- that's what they're looking for. Because God knows we don't want another bloody performing dog. Do we? I really don't want another dog. Anything but a dog. Lionel Blair's trying to persuade his wife to go to the Royal Variety performance this year. I said, you will go. She said, no, I won't. I said, you will. I'll come and collect you in the car. Take you around there. But uh, so that's what they, so they, they now have this sort of fixed programme. Britain's Got Talent is fixed. It's biased. It has to be because they're trying to make a programme. I understand how it works. I'm not stupid. But let's try, not try and pretend it's a talent competition. It's called Let's Line Simon Cowell's Pockets. The programme is made by Simon Cowell's company for the benefit of Simon Cowell. Every artist is signed to Simon Cowell's label. Nobody can, you know, blow their nose or 
break wind without Simon Cowell knowing about it and making money out of it. Gary in Croydon, poor soul, says you're not as entertaining as Chelsea Football Club, but you are very funny. Yes, sometimes I watch Chelsea and I think they're, they're quite funny. I love it when Christine Bleakley pretends she likes football. That's very funny, isn't it? Oh, hiya, Frank. Hiya, Frank. Christine here. I love her, honestly. She's looking so old now, poor sob. Never mind. Um, 84850. I started a joke, Robin Gibbs, says Mary, one of my uh, my favourite. Actually, she couldn't get the free podcast to work last night, so no bath with me. La, 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 la. <laughs> Not that kind of talk on a Monday morning, thank you very much indeed. Uh, my best Bee Gees track, says Diane, is How Do You Mend a Broken Heart? How do you It was a lot of that going on, wasn't there, with, with the Bee Gees songs. It was, ha, ha. Uh, they, they, I thought they were asthmatic to start with. I had no idea that that's how we're singing. You bell. Saved by the Bell, one of my, that Robin Gibbs song was lovely. I mean, they were all good. Go, go and check out the greatest hits, but go to the early stuff. Go to the early stuff. Put it this way, they've actually done, you know, the Beatles anthology. I think they should do a Bee Gees anthology. I'm going to go and check it out later. I think I've got 90% of the stuff. Although, having downloaded to my phone yesterday... Uh, Do you know, I got a text message from somebody the other day on my phone. I can't remember who they are. Isn't that really, really embarrassing? Because they're in my phone, so they must be known to me. They must be important. And and I felt really embarrassed because they might be listening at the moment. Or failing that, I've had a complete block. Laura R, that's all it says in my phone. Oh, I've got no idea who it is. And and she says, hi, Steve, Laura here, hope you're okay. My aunt's asking whether you ever knew a Raymond Lawrence. And so I wrote back, No. Uh, no, I don't know who you are. And, I've, and somebody's now going to... She's going to write back later on today and go, it's me. It's, and I don't know who it is. It's awful, isn't it? I've got various celebrities' phone numbers in here. I don't know who they are. They know me, because quite clearly, because they're in my phone books, it means they're actually very, very privileged. But checking, actually, on the... Uh, I've got all the Engelbert stuff. All the Engelbert stuff on here. And uh, I love it. So on the Bee Gees... My God, I've got even more than I thought. And I've got the Bee Gees' first album which has got Turn of the Century, Red Chair, Fade Away. I've got Horizontal, which has got the one, And the rain will fall, it falls for you, which is lovely. Idea, which has got uh, Indian gin and whiskey dry down to her, such a shame, let there be love, and Kitty Can. One, which has got Ordinary Lives, which is a super, super song. And this is where I came in, which has got one of my... Favourite songs. It was covered by one of Simon Cowell's groups ages ago and it, it died for them. And it's a song called Sacred Trust. And uh, Morris took lead vocals on Sacred Trust. Plus, it's got Man in the Middle, uh, Loose Talk Cost Lies, Promise the Other. It, I mean, I've just got everything. And that's only the stuff that I've got on this phone. On my car stuff, I've got even more. So. If you haven't checked out all the BG's greatest hits, you, you have to have to check out the stuff because you'll sit there and you'll weep buckets because they wrote such beautiful, evocative songs which were very much of their time, but they were able to bring themselves up to date with the spirits having flown and with Saturday Night Fever and the uh, subsequent tracks. And, of course, uh, Robin Gibb had a very successful, which I downloaded, Christmas album, which he brought out two years ago. And it's just him singing with a very small choir... And he recorded it at his uh, at his home studio. So Robin Gibbs singing some Christmas carols, which is quite lovely and very poignant. I'm back with you the other side of the news. It's Monday morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. Sam Pittis has got the news at five, which is next.
morning, four minutes past five. I must check on the, the weather for you later on. But I'll do it in a, in, a, in a few minutes' time. Yesterday, oh, I'm, I've also got to tell you about the fact that Asda have reduced the price of a whole salmon to two pounds. A whole... It's, it's cheaper to eat fresh salmon now. This is from Alaska. It's frozen. That's why it's cheap. Two pounds seems almost ridiculous. They were selling it for four pounds. Now it's two pounds. The same salmon in Marks and Spencer's is 25 pounds. Industry experts are saying it's sold as a lost leader. In other words, they've actually sold it to get you in the store so that you'll see something else you want to buy. But two pounds for a whole salmon. My advice to pensioners everywhere, go out today to Asda and buy salmon. I don't care whether they're selling it as a lost leader. Start stocking up, putting it in the freezer. Salmon at two pounds each. Mad not to go for it. So yesterday, we didn't have salmon. We'd had, we had brill at the Lady Rattling's Cup of Kindness lunch. It was lovely. And I won the raffle. And I gifted my first prize to lovely Liz Fraser. Morning, Liz. Oh, good morning, Steve. You're right. Yeah, it's <laughs> great waking up with you every morning. <laughs> the uh, the basset hound sort of nudges me. He's on my bed if I don't sort of put the radio on. <laughs> Steve, I wanted to say that Robin Gibb, mm. um, I'm sure you know, but his whole charity in the last four years was to raise funds for a bomber um, bomber command yes. memorial. Yes, yes. And he instigated them having a memorial. He made it his pet. And it's so sad because uh, he was my favourite. And when I was touring, I used to go from one place to another and play the Bee Gees and got caught for speeding because I usually tried to get... <laughs> to wherever I was going before the track finished. <laughs> <laughs> but it was lovely seeing you. Thank and, you, and um, you too. Have, was, are you using the, are you using the jewellery box? Are you using the jewellery box? Oh, it's, it's packed. I've got diamonds in it, gold bracelets, <laughs> uh, earrings. Yes, it's, uh, I'm using it already. Good, that's what we liked it. It was a lovely time, wasn't it? Everybody had a nice time. I thought it was a gorgeous lunch, absolutely gorgeous. Yes. It's always nice to see, you know, people that you haven't seen for the best part of a year. So it's like a, it's like a good catch-up, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, was a, it was a great function. I'm, I'm always a um, bit of a party pooper. I generally mm. have to leave early. I've got one of these clocks inside me that <laughs> says, you know, that's enough, you go now. But I thought it was, uh, I thought it was excellent. I also thought the food, as you said, was great. Yes, I love the and food. And the yesterday. Lady Rattlings are so lovely with their generosity. Yes, yes. But it was particularly, really, about Robin Gibb, uh, who... It's so sad because, mm. as I say, it was his pet. Did you know that? Mm. About Bomber Command? Yes, yes, I knew, yes. Yeah, I'm yes. sure you did. Yes. Oh. Anyway, uh, I'll take the dog out in a minute. Oh, good. <laughs> All right, well, you, you, you go and take, take the dog out, Liz. That's lovely Liz Fraser. And uh, I bumped into her uh, yesterday. And uh, I gifted my my jewel. I want a jewelry box. I mean, what am I going to do with a jewelry box? I don't have any jewelry. I've got some cufflinks, and that's about it. It had to go. It had to go. I'm afraid. So, so it isn't two pounds salmon, is it? Not two pounds now. The salmon is two pounds. It's not two pounds. It is two pounds. What's this one here? What? Oh, this is what. Oh, is oh right the accident. Oh right. So, is, is he going to get money? Oh, I hope so. Oh, so I thought you were talking about this. this, this I've got the salmon straw. I don't want to sell all these pensioners down to Asda to pick up salmon and they go, no, Steve Allen got it wrong. I mean, to be honest with you, 
I, I actually love these kind of stories. The reason I love them is because they go, oh, it's a lost leader for the show. I couldn't care less whether it's a lost leader. All I see is the fact there's a lot of you listening can get down to, uh, to Asda and get a whole frozen wild Alaskan salmon for two quid. Mind you, they have got tons of salmon. That's why the bears in Alaska, you see them fishing. They sit there. I mean, in the end, the bears go, I couldn't eat another salmon. I couldn't... Not, would you like another salmon? I couldn't touch salmon ever again. Not for another year. And so they're doing it frozen. Uh, Waitrose sell the same thing, a larger fresh salmon, for £35.97. Now, I don't care, because I'm sure that's absolutely wonderful, but if you can get them for £2 and they're frozen, it's worthwhile buying two or three and taking them home and putting them in your freezer, isn't it? Because that way you can have... I mean, can you imagine? I'm a pensioner on a budget, but I'm eating fresh salmon every day. I often used to say to people, it is cheaper to eat smoked salmon than it is to eat fish fingers. And the reason being... I'm making my mouth water talking about food. If, if you actually smoke salmon, it's, it's there. There's nothing around it. If you take away the batter and the coating around fish fingers and just dissect the little fish bit in the middle, you'll be surprised how small it is. And that's got the bones mixed up in it and everything else. It's all mixed up. Very rarely is it actually fillet, unless it says fillet on it. Sometimes it just says white fish, and that can mean anything at all. So you price that up pound for pound, cheaper to eat smoked salmon. But if Asda are going to do that... I'm more than happy to mention it, because I think you should go out and stockpile it. Fill up a freezer with smokes. Imagine, we've got lots of wild salmon. How much are they? Two quid each. Two quid each. It's cheaper for the fish shop in Twickenham to go down to Asda's, go and buy them and bring them back. And sell them again. 84850, uk. Actually, when I saw Liz, Liz Fraser yesterday, it was lovely, because years and years ago, Liz used to go to government auctions. And she would buy things and then she would sell them and raise money for charity. She does a lot of charity stuff. And um, I forget how it came up, actually. I think she'd come in for an interview in, in another one of our buildings. And she'd mentioned the fact that she'd got these, I think they were like little bolero tops. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. But anyway, and I said, well, a friend of mine's a market trader. He'll, he'll buy them from you. So she sold them to him. And he then sold them on the market store. They were, I think they were little silk, silk blouses, if memory serves me correctly. And she goes to these government auctions, or she used to. So, and I've seen Liz a few times, and she'd said to me, each and every time I see her, she said, I always listen to you every morning. And the earlier I get up, the earlier Liz Fraser seems to get up. So it was lovely to see her yesterday. It was lovely to see so many people, you know, really looking, looking lovely. Debbie McGee looks... She must be on hormone replacement or something, Debbie McGee. And uh, I, mean, I don't know how it's possible to look to look absolutely stunningly gorgeous. I said, obviously, Paul Daniels is looking after you quite well. She said, yes. And Julie Rogers, well, never seen her looking better or heard her singing better. Absolutely lovely. Ab- I mean, just, just, it was a wonderful, wonderful day. It really was. It was very nice. And Jenny Maynard, who's Queen Rattling, uh, did very well indeed. And all the people, Lionel Blair was, uh, Lionel Blair said to me, he said, the thing about getting old is, and Lionel Blair must be over the age of... I think he's over the age of 70, you know, but he looks blooming good on it. He said it's because I've got my hair. It's because it's he's actually got hair. And he's so right. If you've got hair, it makes you look a bit a bit younger. And it's, it certainly seems... Because they had the thing. You have a table monitor. And they said, OK, you're, you're going to have a table monitor today and it'll be determined by who's got the least amount of hair. So of course, I was the one with the least amount of hair on our table, so I was table, which means you have to go and collect money because they raise money for the raffle and for the charity and stuff like that. And so I was table monitor because I had the least amount of hair. 
I might have to do a Wayne Rooney and sort of grow hair. Lots of pictures in the paper over the weekend of Wayne Rooney surrounded by lots of young girls in Las Vegas. Did you see that? And then Colleen by the pool, otherwise known as The Doormat. Because she's a bit like John Terry's wife, isn't she? You know, John Terry can go and do what he wants and the doormat just sits there and goes, yeah, well, better to be Mrs John Terry than like, like nobody. And somebody, who's it saying somebody, they were talking about, it was one of these, I cut it out for the free podcast because it was, it was so me. And it was talking about somebody in the Big Brother house. And they'd come out and they said, who was the worst person in the Big Brother house? They said, without a shadow of a doubt, Nicola McLean. That vile old bag. I mean, she is vile. Absolutely awful. And everywhere over this weekend, Georgia Salper. We had no idea who she is. She's just cropped up. I think her agent is the same as Peter Andre's, because they were talking about, oh, you know, do you like Peter Andre? She says, yes, I like Peter. And I'm thinking, oh, it's the same agent. It's the same old twaddle that we got last time about Peter Andre. Poor soul. Uh, two of my favourite early Bee Gees hits, Steve, says Jeff in Lewisham, were words. It's only words, and words are all... And don't forget to remember me. Hit after hit after hit. You'd be surprised how much of their, their stuff you've been listening to over the years, probably without knowing. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Frank in Kent says Ben Elton wrote a book called Dead Famous based on talent shows about people, uh, manipulation of people by Simon Cowell-type characters. Yes, I know all about the book. It was fabulous. Almost, almost too accurate, somebody said to, me, said, said to me. They said, almost too accurate, Steve. You'll love it. So I'd, I did love it. And uh, Morel, favourite Bee Gees song, The Joke. Oh, it's called I Started. I Started a Joke. What exactly is Cheryl Cole's talent? Um... I don't know. I don't know. Wish I could tell you. I wish I knew. Whatever happened to the 50s amusements from the Kersal South End? Now, that I couldn't tell you. When you used to go into the Kersal in South End, which is real chav city. <gasps> that is so chavvy. Oh, there's a lovely picture. Oh, I knew I was going to mention something today, just to cheer your little heart up. There's a lovely picture in the centre pages of the, um, I think it's the Daily Star today. I think it's the Daily. Only the Daily Star would print pictures of this one. And it's really, really lovely. And you're going to... Oh, wait a minute, can't find it. That's the model who bedded a footballer. So that's a bit naff, isn't it? I'm trying to live without things like that on a Monday morning, ladies and gentlemen. I wish I could find these pictures. They were so good. And there's... Uh, I don't know who she is. Uh, oh, dear. Why can you never... You, know, you go through the papers, don't you? And you try desperate to find it. Um, Benidorm star Tim Healy has spoken for the first... Uh, of his new lover for the first time since his split from Denise Welsh. Two of the biggest balls... Oh, here it is. Fans flocking to the gypsy wedding. It's not gypsy wedding, it's traveller wedding. OK, and it's really lovely. And it's a picture of Danielle and Brendan. Danielle is the over-made-up tarty one on the right-hand side with the dress that doesn't suit her. And Brendan is here, but they're not going to... She's only 16, but they might not be spending too much time together because he's up on receiving stolen goods. Just thought I'd mention that now, just to cheer your day up. Quarter past five. <laughs> Headlines with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Bee Gees singer Robin Gibb has died. A- well, you look at the pictures of this traveller wedding at 50,000 quid. You can't help thinking what a waste of money. And she says he's a lovely, really good-looking boy. He's obviously blind as well. But uh, here he is anyway. He's going to be... He's on bail. He'll be sentenced in August to handling stolen goods. How classy. How classy. Unfortunately, one of the reporters went down there, Meg Josh. And she says, I got a, a taste of a traditional traveller custom being thoroughly fondled during the reception. She said, it's not very pleasant. This is where tacky, low-rent people try and grope you. 
She said they have a fixation with the, with your bosom, and uh, and then he calls his his pals over to have a look as well. She said it really is. I mean, it's it's borderline rape as far as I'm concerned by any other name, ladies and gentlemen. When the young man asked if he could have a feel, I said yes, only if I can punch you in the face. That's the kind of level we're at, ladies and gentlemen. That's it, says Stephen Arlington. Sandys are all off to Asda. Stuart was saying, get up there, two pound for 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 salmon, fresh salmon. That's what it is. Morel's going. There'll be queues at Asda. You watch. Queues, people say. You watch. You'll be going in there going, do you have any of these salmon? Sold out. It'll be that blooming Christmas pudding thing again, won't it, with Heston Blumenthal, where they advertise it, but unfortunately, they didn't have any in by the time they advertised the blooming thing. So they learnt last year, so we're all OK. I've still got one in the boot of the car. I'm not sure how long the thing lasts. Probably doesn't last that long. But uh, you watch, the salmon will go, at uh, £2. Of course it will. Of course it will. My sister and I used the song the Bee Gees did with Celine Dion called Immortality 2 at the end of our dad's cremation, says Nicola. After he died suddenly of a heart attack at 59, because he and we aren't religious and were asked what we'd like to find to play. He loved Dusty Springfield but couldn't find anything appropriate. Oh, you're joking. Oh, the Dusty Springfield song that you should have picked is called Going Back, which Dusty herself had played at her own funeral. And uh, that was the one that reduced everybody to tears. She sang her own funeral eulogy. Oh, yes. Uh, Anyway, they played Celine Dion and found this one. It's a lovely song. Could only ever play it again recently without being tearful. It's all right, isn't it? It's okay. It's nice to have a song that uh, that reduces you, uh, you know, reduces you to tears. I think that's good, actually. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh. I've I've had a fish called Bream, but never heard of Brill. Brill, Brill. It's called Brill. Okay, it's quite easy to find. I think it's everywhere. Morel's off. Everybody's off to Asda now. Don't desert me just yet. Don't go just yet. I know there's more people listening than ever before. Thankfully, eight four eight five zero. Tim says, uh, I'm south of Heathrow in Hampton. Woken this morning by what sounded like Concorde taking off. Fighter jets scrambled around 4.30. I don't know. I'm sure Andy McCall will have a check with the airport and find out if there's anything going on up there. Although, to be honest with you, not, not probably at, uh, at this time. The, f- first, uh, the first jets used to be uh, fairly noisy in the morning. I'd hear them going over. And this morning I kept hearing that it sounded like somebody drilling. What was it? It was my phone vibrating. I thought it was drilling. I did, I could, you know when you can't work out where noises are coming from? Terrible. Uh, I used to go to Samantha's Disco in Ealing Broadway in the 80s and 90s. Used to work in Ealing. Uh, loved the Bee Gees and Robin Gibb. Gibb. Uh, covered so many eras and genres. Uh, and they wrote many hits for others. Families had a lot of grief to cope with. But you're right, it does make you stronger. They're a very strong family. I said earlier on, they're a very private family. They like their, their privacy. They won't, they won't welcome the intrusion. And uh, it will all be handled with great dignity because they've done it before. They've done it before. They've had to do it. Well, this will be the third brother. The third brother. They lost Andy Gibb, first of all. Then they lost uh, Morris, who was married to Lulu, of course. And uh, now they've lost Robin as well. Robin, uh, seriously, he, he, he clung on. He really did cling on. Ian says, very sad about him. My favourite Bee Gees track is You Win Again. Heaven has now added to its choir. Uh, and as for customer service, you'll find it hard to beat. John Lewis in Kingston. They helped me when I had a problem with my TV, getting sound from a virgin TiVo box. Nothing to do with them, but I was a customer. And if they could help, they would. See, that's why you go back to places, isn't it? You go back to places because you, you go back for the service. This is after a survey was launched from Witch Magazine, and they've named the worst service in a, in a high street store. And uh, it's Halfords, I'm afraid. Top. Top is Lush. 
Mark Constantine and the team, but they know how to do it. They know what they're selling. They know the product. I should imagine in Halfords there's loads of products. And also, the staff, you know, when you go in there and somebody's leaning over the counter, staring at the floor, do you know what I mean? You feel, can't you find something to do? You know, and the moment a customer appears, you whiz behind the counter and go, hello. That's why you get successful stores. That's why we've had loads of shops recently closing in, in Twickenham. Only because the service was rubbish. Absolute rubbish. They don't care. Whereas I feel like saying to them, listen, I live here locally. I'm going to go back and say how dreadful this was. And, you know, and it's not going to be good for you. 84850. Uh, 84850. Steve at uk, And uh, another one here. And this is from oh somebody else going off to Asda this morning, which is wonderful. Uh, Karen says, uh, somebody's talking to your headphones. It sounds quite funny. No, nothing at all this morning. Nothing at all. So perhaps your, your, your tinnitus has returned, Karen. No, no, no imaginary friends. Nobody talking into my headphones at all. Not, not that I know. Unless, of course, you know something, something differently from me. <laughs> 84850. We're talking about rude staff as well. Try to find out as well why Cheryl Cole is still on the front of the papers when he hasn't, she hasn't actually done anything at all of any note. Lovely picture of Christine Bleakley. I so love my man because without him I'm nobody. And um, <laughs> one of the world's worst TV presenters. Uh, also, football seems to go on for pages and pages. Friend of um, Princess Michael of Kent was assassinated in Russia. This is the young man she was pictured with a short while ago. His name's uh, Mikhail uh, Kravchenko. And he was in furniture. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a little bit difficult to try and work out in Russia who's upset people and who hasn't. In the case of him, he didn't have any bodyguards. Because apparently, if you if you anyway make a lot of money in Russia, it's advisable to have bodyguards with you to look after you. So you, that's why most of them come over here. And then occasionally the hitmen follow them over here, and that's why we get people hit on the London streets. But in this particular case, this man must have upset somebody. Because his car was hijacked... He was shot ten times in the car, then they dragged him out and put more bullets in his head. And nobody knows the reason why. He didn't appear, it says here, to have any uh, any enemies. And uh, you remember there was a picture of him and Princess Michael of Kent. They were pictured holding hands. And she said, but I'm, I'm very tactile. I often, you know, hold hands with people. It's quite normal. But anyway, he was shot ten times. Obviously, they wanted to make sure that he was absolutely dead. Uh, Tim Healy speaking for the first... Oh, shut up, you boring little man, honestly. Who cares? Couldn't care less about you and your wife. You could you could jump from wardrobe shouting Geronimo, as far as we're concerned. We don't care. Uh, panicking X-Factor bosses have brought in Jerry Halliwell. Good God, what on earth for? Oh, she's a temporary judge. That's two years after she was panned in the role. So they've had to bring her back. They haven't got anybody else. Producers have failed to ride a, find a replacement for Axe Kelly Rowland in time for Wednesday's first audition. Blimey, just ask any old agent. There must be loads of people who can do it. Good grief, it's absolutely unbelievable. And Kelly Brook. Kelly Brook has now been aligned with Demi Moore. Okay, this this, this is Kelly Brook, who you remember was dropped by the Big Breakfast because she can't read. She can't read big words like and off it to when, things like that. I'm not saying she's dim, but she's better off as a model. Okay, as long as you don't have to open your mouth, you're a bit Cheryl Cole, that's fine. But anyway, so, so she's over there at the 65th Cannes Film Festival. And um, some man, a French millionaire, known only as Frederick, stormed a photo call and threw himself at her, saying, I want you, I want you, I offer you one million dollars for one night. Now, this is based on the indecent proposal film with Demi Moore, where she's married to Robert Redford and for a million dollars a man. And, and strangely enough, um, Kelly Brook thought it was a bit of a joke. 
She's over there because she's uh, been organised by the comedian Keith One Trick Pony Lemon, because he's, he's, he has a film out, and she's helping to promote it. When this man grabbed her, shouting, One night, please, one night, I have money, she thought it was Keith Lemon. Turned out not to be. It turned out to be the man with the cheque. And strangely enough, she had him ejected. It's a million, Kelly. It's the best you're going to get. You know, I don't want to sort of, you know, point you in the direction of, you know, duh. It's a million pounds. It's like, you know, how much does it cost to sleep with somebody? The answer is a million pounds would kind of do it. I think so. A million pounds. But no, apparently she had him, had him ejected. And she said it was, it was just awful. Awful. I thought, well, it's publicity for you, isn't it? And you, you do seem to relish publicity. don't actually see a big problem. You just sort of laugh it off, don't you? Uh, Bob says, I'm horrified about the sale of the torches. A couple on eBay haven't even run yet and are auctioning them off with the tracksuit they're going to wear. It seems the one that fetched 150000 is a hype. None of the... Yes, it's, it's just made up at all. Do you know, what I think should happen is, if somebody places a bet... Sorry, not a bet, or a bid for £150,000, I think... And because you've written it... That's binding. I think that should be a legal contract. And you go round, you take the police round, and you go, right, 150000 you've bid. Oh, it was a joke, was it? I don't think so. We're taking you to court. You'll have to sell your house, and you'll pay the 150000 quid. It's as simple as that. What do you mean you haven't got it? We'll take your car, your television. We're going to drain your bank accounts. Somebody's going to make a, make a precedent over this. And you're going to take the money. If you're stupid enough to put up some silly little bid like that, then uh, you deserve to pay for it. Oh, I'd take them to court straight away. I wouldn't have any hesitation at all. Uh, I recently, says Sue, had excellent service in Halfords in Kingston. The young man serving me couldn't have been more helpful. Oh, I haven't done the weather forecast. I knew it was something that just reminded me of the weather forecast for today. I had to quickly check on it just to, before we go to the, uh, the news and uh, see what we're saying today. Here we go. Cloudy start. Sunny spells developing throughout the day. It will feel cool in the breeze. I'll tell you what I've got. Where I park my car, I've got this big tree and it leaks sap from the leaves, and it puts this sticky substance all over my car. So I have to get it, well, I'm going to have to get them to cut the tree down or something. It's very annoying. Uh, currently, uh, it's 8 degrees. It's going to rise to 19 later on today. I'll bring my umbrella, so no forecast today. No, no rain. Cloudy throughout the evening. Uh, some rain clearing overnight, staying dry later on. Tomorrow, cloud breaking, allowing warm, sunny spells. Wow. Do you know what the high is tomorrow? 24 degrees. That is almost, as far as I'm concerned, that is bikini weather, ladies and gentlemen. That is some, that's undoing an extra button on the shirt and getting out there, walking up and down the Goldhawk Road, you know, the old shirt off, making myself... No, never. It would never, ever happen. I'm very envious of anybody who does do that. Julie says, uh, I went to the Barmy Arms for lunch with my friend Lindsley yesterday. Excellent food and service. And hello to all the legends page. I'm, good. I'm glad you had a nice time. It's very pretty, isn't it, by the river? We're very lucky in uh, in Twickenham because we have we have uh, we have wonderful places. Uh, Steve, worst shop Maplins. No, they did really well. Maplins did really really well. Funny, isn't it? Shot ten times, says Stephen Harlington. What would they do if they really didn't like him? Eight four eight five zero. Steve at LBC UK. Time now five thirty. News headlines with Sam. Ninety seven point three. This is London's Biggest Conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 20, uh, 28 minutes to, uh, to 6. I didn't see Celebrity Deal or No Deal. If it had Katie Price on it, I have better things to watch on television, apart from that monotone dullard, I'm afraid. Uh, Stephen Harlington says, I hope we get the, uh, the temperatures you're talking about. I'm fed up looking like Nanook of the North at this time of year. It's amazing, isn't it, how we've had, we've had so many few sunny days, and now we've got one... 
coming up. Uh, get the sap off your car as it damages the paint. There's so many layers of paint on my car, it doesn't damage it. We just wash it off once a week and that's fine. Hasn't made any difference at all. Uh, 84850. And this is one here. Says, uh, who's doing that? I don't know who that is, actually. Somebody's, uh, somebody's off to the uh, Feltham Young Offenders Unit at 9.15. <laughs> Somebody else loves Maplin as well. Karen says, you do have a one-way conversation with someone... Us listeners cannot hear the other person. No, you're, you're, you're definitely going mad, Karen, I'm afraid, Poppet. No, there's just me. Just me. So uh, there you go. And uh, one here from, uh, from Brian, who says, I bumped into you in Michael's on Saturday. I was so dumbstruck, I wasn't able to say a word. I was the chap that was sitting waiting for the other half to get his hair cut. The one from Glasgow, that'll be. The one, you know, I don't do Glasgow accents. And that was the, uh, the banana. He said, it was a long-time challenge to meet you, as I find you appeal to my weird sense of humour. I had just five minutes earlier asked my other half, would he take my photo with you if we met, thinking we wouldn't? So I'm now going to have to go back to Michael's as I'm looking for an apartment around that area. An apartment. An apartment. As if we have such things. An apartment. Good grief. Not sure we can cope with stuff like that. Uh, there's a store boss day. This, this bloke owed money to loan sharks, and his name's Mark Capewell. And he organised a robbery at his own store and then posed as a kidnap victim. I mean, you have to be honest, these people are too stupid for their own good. So this one here gets a 15-year-old boy, offers him two grand to act as a robber, then asked a pal to rough him up to appear that he was forced to take part. He left the safe open so he could grab the cash fast. So they they go through this, but of course, I mean, (laughs) Dumbo, he gets caught. He owed money to loan sharks... And he had his cheek cut with a razor to fit his cover story. He devised the scam. And uh, the teenagers were all, uh, when they were playing computer games. So, sign of a misspent youth. His, his plan unravelled when his friends panicked and told police about the theft from the store. And uh, he's been sent to prison for 30 months. So, uh, just over two years. That'll teach you, Mark Capewell. Sadly, nobody will ever employ you ever again. So, fool to yourself, I'm afraid. Absolute fool to yourself. I mean, there's no such thing as the perfect crime. And the reason is, if it was perfect, you'd never hear about it. OK? That's why. But people have to tell somebody. Guess what I got away with? That's, that's why people hear about it. Uh, John says, your programme is just brill. Of course it is. Brill as in the fish and brill as in everything else as well. Should be for this time of the morning. So we have the, uh, the London audience. There were some other stories which we, uh, which we picked out. First of all... The hosepipe ban and garden businesses have been granted a reprieve. You see, I thought that garden businesses could use it anyway. But apparently landscaping, landscaping, turf and gardening firms can now return to using hosepipes on newly laid turf and plants for a four-week period. Because two and a half times the normal amount of rain has fallen since they imposed the ban on April the 5th. So that's good, isn't it? That's good. I mean, just a little bit more rain and we should be okay. And then everybody can use it. But businesses, okay. Also in Cannes, Andrea McLean, says Mary from Loose Women. Have you seen the raunchy film clip on Twitter? No, I haven't. Andrea McLean, what, the former weather girl? The one who doesn't have a marriage or did have a marriage and had a breakdown, then had a book to launch and it all got a little bit bit confusing. Uh, Also, a lot of people downsizing their homes... Um, That's nearly double the amount we wanted by large property. Whereas I'm looking for a large property. I mean, really large, because I've got got the lottery win to look after, you know. And, uh, you know, a lot to do with £2.37. And I'm trying to to upsize. So I'm looking for something enormous. I'm looking at the moment a property with nine bedrooms. I've no idea what I'm going to do with nine bedrooms. But I just think, you know, I just think you should do it. 
shouldn't you? Should do things like that. And how do you fancy the idea? You'll very soon be able to book doctor's appointments and check test results online. Well, I can do that now anyway. I, I do my hospital appointments online. You just go on, you click on, you find a time that suits you, and you can check your test results because they're actually put up there. The Health Secretary, Andrew Lansley, reckons this will give individuals more power. Well, you can do everything else online. I pay VAT online, I pay tax online, I bought my car tax yesterday online, I can pay my car insurance online. Can't do the MOT online, but you can do everything. So the idea of actually checking, you know, your your, your test results and... And what if people don't have a computer? Do you know, I spoke to somebody the other day who didn't have a computer. I was absolutely horrified in this day and age that people wouldn't have a computer. Everybody's got computers. Everybody's got computers. Because they're just... What do you just have? It's just because they're so cheap. It's like saying a mobile phone. It's like saying, you know, I don't have a mobile phone. You, go, you must have... I know somebody, a friend of mine, Thomas, who doesn't have a mobile phone. And he's only young. He's like 26. 24? Something like that. And he does not have a mobile phone. And I said, why? He said, what would I want to do with a mobile phone? I said, keep in contact with people. And he went, oh, I don't want a mobile phone. So he goes off clubbing at Fabric and places like that. And he's got all his friends he goes out with, but he doesn't have a mobile phone. And I, I felt like saying, you must be the only person I've met. You know, I've, I've got a 14-year-old, my godson, he's, he's got a Blackberry and an iPhone. You know, and they've all had this kind of stuff for ages and ages. So to find somebody over the age of 20 who doesn't have a mobile phone in this day and age is, is quite uh, quite worrying. But I like the idea of being able to book your appointments. You go in now, you book an appointment at the uh, at the doctor's surgery. And I went round there the other day and they were checking my results for the... Um, uh, what were they checking it for? Oh, thyroid. Because it it's, it's underperforming. But the last time it was overperforming, even though it's, it's not working. It's all very complicated. And so she said, what do you want to do? She said, I, I can increase the uh, levothyroxine for you or we can leave it for another, another survey. And so I'll tell you what we'll do. I said, let's leave it and we'll do it for another survey and we'll wait and see what happens. And it might even out a bit. I'd already keep going backwards and forwards onto, uh, onto tablets. Uh, 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. And this is from... Who is this from? Uh, oh, somebody else who saw Kate Price. Katie Price on Deal or No Deal. Oh, ghastly woman. Why would you want to watch something that's so awful? I'm looking forward to the... Uh, very much looking forward to the... Uh, Come dine with me with Lionel Blair and Keith Harris and Orville. I think that one should be quite should be quite funny. Daily Express this morning, as Duncan said earlier on, being Monday, it's either a Princess Diana story, a weather story, or medical. And today you've got medical because that's all they do on the front pages of the uh, of the Express. And so today they've got the simple checks to stop heart attacks. Thousands of lives they say should, could be saved every year. Uh, the Lockerbie bomber dying three years after release from jail. So that's good news. There is a God, eventually. Because you remember people saying, well, he's been let out of prison because they said, a bit like Ronnie Biggs, so expect Ronnie Biggs any day now. We were told Ronnie Biggs is dying, hours left, hours left, lies, lies, more lies. You're paying for him in an old people's home. This thieving old lag, ladies and gentlemen, is still clinging on to life. The Lockerbie bomber, not anymore. And uh, somebody here saying, I hope he had a painful, horrible death. It was just how long he carried on living. It was this was the thing, having been told that he was he was borderline, and he just went on and on and on and on. So finally, a bit of respite for uh, for people there. 
Only the good die young, as I said in the case of uh, Robin Gibb. But you've still got uh, Ronnie Biggs still clinging on to life out there and costing us a small fortune, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, People talking about Alzheimer's. Now, I don't know, because I did watch the storyline, and I was right. When I watched the... Uh, the Coronation Street story. She did die, the woman, didn't she? But now it appears that the the poor woman in whose house she died uh, was having an affair with the woman's husband. So there's like a menage a trois going on, and it doesn't look very good. And she was saying, listen, the police are going to be looking at this going, so she's got Alzheimer's, you're in the house with me, we're having an affair, and then we went out and left her. They're going to think it's slightly odd. And he said, no, 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 they're not. It's going to be fine. And I'm thinking, I don't know how people would deal with that. Because one minute she seemed to be perfectly normal. And uh, next minute, she wasn't normal. Which was uh, which was a shame. Uh, morning, Steve. We can book doctor's appointments online. Repeat prescriptions. Says Noreen. Yes. You can. Yes, I mean, I, I do my repeat prescriptions through the... Um, through the, through the, through the chemist through through goods they actually do it so it comes through and then it's all it's just updated I think anybody who goes to the doctor it's it's just automatic isn't it very sad about Robin I feel as though I've lost a friend yes his family will be very sad this morning very sad indeed but they're they're very private family and as I say this is now the third time that they've been through it you know to lose one one brother is bad enough to lose three brothers really is awful so our sympathies are with you know Robin's family and also Barry as well, who is now the last surviving brother. There was talk that Robin was going to make it to his requiem. He wrote the uh, the Titanic requiem, and uh, he wasn't well enough to make it there. His son went down and said, listen, Dad's not, Dad's not quite up to it at the moment. Then he made a slight recovery, and uh, then it went a bit quiet, and then he said he's, he's lost the power of speech at the moment. And I thought, well, it doesn't sound too good, but he's, he appears to be pulling in the right direction. And then, of course, uh, it all goes a bit pear-shaped yesterday, and he... Uh, he dies yesterday, which was terribly, terribly sad. Uh, Noreen's off to buy a smartphone today. I don't know what a smartphone is. What's a smartphone? Is that just a phone? Oh, I've actually got a smartphone. Is this what I've got? I've got a smartphone, which actually uh, which actually talks to me for some reason. I haven't quite fathomed out what it says. So you sort of you, you push the button, and you go, and, you, and then you sort of say, what's the weather like today? And you sort of, you, you hope and wait that it's going to come up. You, what, it'll come up with something complete drivel. It generally does, actually. So you go, what's the weather like today? It's John Briggs in today. Oh. Well, he's just checking your location. There you go, that's quite interesting. the weather for today. There you go, well, blimey, it worked. There's a miracle. But the the voice is is John Briggs, who's the voice of The Weakest Link. Because somebody said to me, do you know the voice? I said, of course I know that. You used to have the breakfast show at the weekend on LBC, John Briggs. Very, very distinctive voice, otherwise known as voiceover man. So he he get, but recorded ages and ages ago. About five years ago. Uh, we heard at midnight, says uh, Richard, that Barry... Uh, no, that Robin Gibb had lost his battle with cancer. Yes, Barry's still very much with us, I'm afraid. Very much with us. He said, I don't think there's anybody in the world who doesn't like at least one BG song. They were well up there with the Beatles. Yes, I thought so. And, of course, Peter Jones died as well. The drummer with Crowded House. He was only 45. What with Donna Summer, Davy Jones of the Monkeys. We've had, we've had quite a week, haven't we? Sarah's favourite song is How Deep Is Your Love, but mine is the 1st of May, featured in Sealed With A Loving Kiss, Swalk, which was a lovely film with little little Mark Lester. Yes, but uh, Robin Gibbs, sadly, not with us. Uh, Ian in Surbiton says, I like Kelly Brook. If I had a million pounds, I'd make the location for the Night of Passion in northern Norway, where the polar nights last from November to the end of January. He said, I want value for money. 
Yes, yes, how sweet. Just check the weather again. Holly's just sent it in for us, finding out whether or not it's going to change. No, bit cool, 19 centigrade, currently 9. Tonight, cloudy throughout the evening, some clearing overnight, staying dry, minimum 10 centigrade. Tomorrow, cloud-breaking, warm sunny spells, much warmer than recently, high 24 degrees. So uh, you were worried about planting all those things out. You can plant them out. It is easy-peasy. Easy peasy. Uh, 84850, uk or 08456060973. News headlines this morning with Sam Pittis. Morning, Monday morning. Nice to have your company, trust you well. So now we've discovered that the cheapest fish on offer is whole salmon, Alaskan. And uh, there you go, that one there. No, up, 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 up there. And <laughs> and it's two pounds. It's two pounds for a whole salmon frozen. And my advice today is try and get out there as quick as possible to Asda and buy loads of them. Stick them all in the fridge. Stick them all in the fridge because it's it's an awful lot easier, isn't it? And that way you can have you can have fresh salmon for a long time. Two pounds each. I don't know how they manage it at that price. Everybody says it's being sold at a at a lost leader. And to be honest with you, I think lots of things are. That's why I quite like going to places. But I, I buy brand. So they were selling a short while ago. What were they doing? They were doing beans. Heinz baked beans in Iceland. But the big fridge pots, as opposed to two pounds, they were a pound. So I bought loads. I bought them for friends as well. I bought them for friends. It was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Somebody's saying, how did you make your phone talk to you? This is iPhone 4. You just hold and push down the bottom button. And then it puts up a little thing and then you push it. You can either hold it up to your ear and it'll do it automatically or you just push the, uh, push the little button and it does it. It does it for you and then you hope that John Briggs knows the answer. Unfortunately, he'll sometimes direct you to, um, to websites and he can't do shops in this country, unfortunately. He can, he can only do things in America, which is a bit of a... It's a programme called Cirrus. It's on there. It's, but it, it's only on your new phone. Only on your new phone. More than half of the UK population, according to a recent survey, claim to be contemplating revenge, and social networks are the preferred platform for getting even. The rise, of course, in popularity like Twitter and Facebook has made it easier and quicker to settle scores. And 7 in 10 people polled, that's 69%, said online tools are re- responsible for people's thirst for payback. So, in other words, work colleagues are the most popular target, followed by friends and bosses. More than half said they were currently thinking about getting their own back on somebody, whilst four in ten confessed they had already sought revenge out of anger, jealousy or spite. Now, remember what I told you before. If anybody writes to you and uh, you feel threatened or it's offensive or something like that, you go to the police and you have them arrested and you name and shame. Simple as that. It's not a difficult thing to do. And uh, the police love them. A friend of mine up at uh, Notting Hill... Uh, police station deals with this all the time and his workload has increased it's increased phenomenally because of more and more hate crimes on the internet with facebook you know even even down to the sort of sick sick people who if somebody kills themselves takes their own life they will write so glad they're dead and they've been bullying them all the way through people like that you have to get into court very quickly when you get them in there you you discover that they they most of them are ill uh, but it's not an excuse anymore now, so you can you can actually have them. And it's it's well worth it. Well worth it. Don't forget to remember me, says June. Uh, don't fret about Ronnie being transferred from prison to an old people's home. No, believe you me, he's been in the old people's home for a long time. It's cheaper to keep him in prison, but sadly not. He's in an old uh, folks' home. And uh, it's it's, believe you me, he's being looked after very, very well. 
He's Ronnie Biggs. I think they look after him like some sort of celebrity. Whereas I've been doing double prayers every night that the baby Jesus takes him very quickly. Uh, David Heathrow says, Tell the woman who thinks she can hear people. I've often heard aircraft cutting in over LBC. Mm, spooky. You see, we, we don't hear anything like that. I've got no idea at all. Uh, my phone is so old, says Claire. I wouldn't know how to use it, plus I can't afford it. Well, you must give it back then. You must give it back. There's no point in having it. I mean, I've got features on here. I've got no idea how they work. But I, luckily, I've got lots and lots of friends who do it for me. So my, my computer is looked after at home remotely by a friend of mine who just go, I'll say, oh, can you just sort of check that everything's working? And he just remotely accesses my computer. So it's very strange because I, I watch the mouse moving over the screen and different screens appearing and he puts up different things. Then he'll phone me and go, this thing here we're looking at now. I said, can you see the screen? He said, yeah. And he, he, he actually looks after about 10 or 12 celebrities, uh, computers, because we, we have no idea what we're doing with them. I've got no idea. You know, I just know I click on Google. But then somebody found another site the other day, and I think it's called... No, I can't remember. Quicken? Quis, whatever, edu- question or something like Whatever it is. It's another site like Google, but it puts up the stuff that's important. She said, because I put your name in, she said, and it starts talking. It talks to you and says, Steve Allen is an LBC radio presenter. He has been broadcast. And it goes like that. I said, oh, a bit exciting. But Stephen Hawkins. I don't mind that. And so um, to get somebody to look after your computer, because when my, my brother had his computer looked after, he had 32,000 viruses. 32,000 viruses because his girls have been on site trying to download music. And the moment you download music, somebody's got your internet site. And once they've got that, then you start getting rubbish on it. I don't get viruses because it's an Apple and Apple, contrary to what people tell you, don't get viruses. It just, it just doesn't get them. It's as simple as that. I've had it for years and it's absolutely fine. But my brother, it took three days to clear down all the viruses. He's got to go through it. He said, I've never known anybody with so many viruses. I said, because what it does, it slows your computer down. But I don't know about this. I just think you turn it on and off. But now he does remote and he's done it for years. He looks after it. Every time I see him, he takes the phone, he'll fiddle about with it. And all of a sudden the phone works even better than it did last time. So there you go, which is good news, isn't it? Uh, 84850, uh, or oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Have you ever thought of uh, wreaking revenge on somebody? That's an awful thing to do, isn't it, really? Apparently, a lot of people, it's, it's like people finishing with somebody and they just do it on, on Twitter or on Facebook. You know, don't want to go out with you anymore. Bye. You know, it's mainly sort of school. Apparently, the ease of typing a message... Uh, confronting somebody face-to-face seems to be the primary reason. 57% of people saying it's actually easier to take revenge online than in person because generally they're, they're, they're too worried somebody's going to smack them in the face. You know, somebody says something to you, you're like, just as likely to hit them, aren't you? Which is so easier. Um, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. 22% said their preferred outlook for revenge would be through Facebook. And um, more than a quarter of 18 to 35-year-olds admitted to getting their own back after somebody posted an embarrassing photograph of them. My advice is, don't have embarrassing photographs taken. I was only saying that to Talisa the other day. I said, more fool you. You know, making a silly little, you know, porno film, you know, with a boyfriend, who then, you know, somebody puts it up online and we all laugh at you. You know, it's not your fault. What you have to do is sort of try not to not to make them in the in the first place. But people do. Can't do anything about it. That's what people do nowadays. They get carried away, that sort of with, with drink and everything else, and it just uh, doesn't go well. Um, I saw Lionel Blair on TV a few weeks ago, says Paul. I was wondering how old he was, and would you believe it? He's 82. Well, he told me he was over 70. He looks good on it. 
If he's 82, he looks blooming good. Some, as I say, I met this lady yesterday, Joan, her name is. She's 91. 91. <laughs> I think she'd like a toy boy. She would absolutely like, like a toy boy. Uh, Paul says, the name of the girl who played Melody Perkins in the film Swalk, S-W-A-L-K, which is sealed with a loving kiss, uh, also known as Melody, was Tracy Hyde. She's got a whole website devoted to her. She's uh, now 52, did some TV work after Dempsey and Makepeace and The Bill. And as you say, the whole soundtrack is a cracker. My, foo- f- my few fra- favourite tracks are I Started a Joker much later on, Spirits Having Flown. They lived in the Chalton district of uh, Manchester, indeed making one of their earliest appearances on the stage of the Gaumont Cinema, which is now, of all things, a funeral parlour. <sighs> Least favourite shop? Tesco's. Having said that, Diana in Richmond's favourite. Much depends on the attitude of the staff. It does. It, it's, it's purely based on whether or not they've had a good night, whether they've had a bad night, or whether or not... You know, they're just having one of those good... It must be awful if you've had a really bad day, you've got a headache, and you get somebody in the stop going, excuse me, this isn't right. You know, which people are are prone to doing. Uh, Joanne says, Kelly Brook thought she was advertising in phone boxes. (laughs) She she does do a good photo opportunity, though, Kelly Brook. She's very good at doing photo opportunities. Very sad about Robin Gibb. Very sad. It is. I mean, the only thing is he's at least got some blessed relief and uh, no more pain. Nothing else. He'll be very much at peace now. And the, uh, and the family will be as well, because it's been a strain on them to go through this. And when, when you're somebody famous, you have to live it out within the media. So it's been very difficult. But his, his work goes on. And uh, the work with Bomber Command, of course. And uh, the other thing is, his, you must check out his Christmas album. Because it's, it's really quite, it's quite sweet, actually. Obviously recorded at home in his studio there. Little choir. And uh, nothing particularly fancy. Just, just nice. Um, morning to little Julie, Noreen and Mary with Katie Price. Is that her face or was something going wrong with her neck? I don't know. A little bit difficult to tell. I mean, she has got the world's most boring voice. She can't help it. She's got a flat monotone voice. It's because nobody's ever said to her because she thinks she looks sexy. But nobody's ever, ever said of Katie Price, you look sexy. She sells the calendar. But have you seen the people who queue up for it? (sighs) A little bit worrying. A little bit worrying. Not all there. Not all there. And they're obviously people who sort of like that. Uh, Darren says it's warm in Blackpool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it, it would be, wouldn't it? It would be. Uh, Claire says my phone is over 10 years old. Oh, dear. Really? Oh, crikey. I don't know how you cope with something like that. a 10-year-old phone. I used to change my phones on a, with a, a fairly regular basis. And now... I tend to... I mean, if, if there's a new one, I should really have waited before I changed that one, but I bought this one outright, so it's mine. I can do with it what I want. But I've got the other one, so in theory, I could trade that in and go and get another new one, which would be quite... So I could have two running, couldn't I, if I thought about it? Uh, 84850, Um the tw- Up to the 26th of uh, May, uh, it's Dementia Awareness Week. Do you know there are 800,000 people with Alzheimer's in the UK, approximately a third of whom live in care homes. 90% of people with dementia will experience behavioural and psychological symptoms of dementia, which is uh, BPSD, which can cause distress to the individual. It's awful, really. I wonder, really, whether or not you have experience of caring for somebody with dementia. As it's Dementia Awareness Week, it's probably the first you've heard about it, because it's the first I've ever heard about it. And so I'm delighted to say that people who care for people with dementia finally get some sort of recognition. What that involves, I've got no idea, so do let me know. 
84850, steve at or 08456060973. Tempted to get revenge on an ex-cheating husband, but why bother? Just waste time thinking about it. Let it go, Steve. Yes, I, I, sometimes you do think, at the time, you think revenge. You think horrible things, don't you? There was that woman who cut all her husband's suits up. He had all these designer suits, and she just literally took a huge pair of scissors and just cut all the arms and the legs off and everything else and threw it all out. I mean, that's the kind of thing you'd like to do. I had that with a neighbour once. My next-door neighbour, her husband and her, had such a fight, she was ripping off bits of his hair and throwing it out the window with his clothes. We called the police. It was far too dramatic for us. On FM, online and digital with Steve Allen. Morning, it's Monday morning. I know you don't want to get up. I really know you don't want to get up. I like, I, I bounced out of bed this morning. I got a bit excited, in fact. I, I began, I was sort of bounced before the alarm went off. So I sort of bounced out of bed going, it's Monday morning, it's Monday morning. I love Monday morning. I really love it. Uh, Queen Rat Jenny, lovely Jenny Maynard, and the cup of kindness yesterday, says, I'm surprised you're still standing or even sitting after lifting a Bugsy and posing for a photo with all the past queens. And lovely Bryn Williams and Annie was there. Oh, it was great. It was great. It was really good. Everybody said how, how good it was. Jenny, it was really lovely yesterday. Very, very nice. Uh, 84850. Philip wants to know whether I and uh, Nick Ferrari are carrying the flame when it reaches London. No. I don't like people selling it. If they're selling it for charity, I don't mind so much. But I'm not, uh, I'm not, not keen on people selling these, these torches. Patsy says, I don't need Twitter. I've got LBC. Which seems fair enough, isn't it? And Joseph says, if I get bad service from a company, I leave a message on their Facebook page so they're named and shamed. You'd be surprised how quickly I'm contacted by them, offering to make amends. Yes. I, well, I think so too. I've often said, if you've got a complaint about a company, then you have to complain about them to the, to the boss of the company. Then they can put it right. It's as simple as that. Uh, revenge, I've got two on the go. I will wait until the time is right and then strike. One will be via Facebook... The store won't refund me for a faulty part, only offering a store credit. So once I've got the credit note spent, I will go on their uh, site and rubbish them. Another is an ex-manager. And, um, uh, but I think I will write to him as well. Oh, dear. See, the trouble is people do this. You have, what you have to do is be very careful. And I, I warn people now that if you're thinking of taking revenge and you write to companies, be very careful how you, how you word it. Companies take people to court. You've, you've got to be in the right if you malign them in any way, shape or form or you put incorrect things about them on Facebook. They'll come down on you like the biggest ton of bricks you've ever had. And it's no good going, oh, I didn't know we couldn't write that. Because if you haven't got your facts right, they'll have you. Because they've got big legal departments and the big legal department will jump on you and they will squash you. So you've got to be. It's no good just because you've had bad service in, in a store. So, for example, I don't know the, the particular company involved. If you say they won't refund you for a faulty part, they will only give you a credit note, that might be their policy. The only way that you can get your money back, because what, what, what you must never do in a store, here is the hard and fast rule. Just supposing I, I buy a phone, OK, and I take it home and it doesn't work. I go back to the store. I don't want them to repair it. I want them to give me another phone. OK, I'm not looking for a repair. I want another phone. You must never, ever accept a repair. If they say, well, we'll actually take it away and get it checked, you go, no, you give me another phone now. OK, that's your, the deal is this phone is not of merchantable quality. Merchantable quality means it's a phone that doesn't do what a phone is supposed to do. If it said it did washing up and it doesn't do washing up, it's not of merchantable quality. If you buy an umbrella and it lets the rain in, it's not of merchantable quality. If you buy a pair of shoes, which are said to be waterproof... 
and they let in water, they're not of merchantable quality. They give you your money back. You don't accept a credit note. You stand your ground. If you have any trouble, you go to the Citizens Advice Bureau and they will write a letter for you to the store. You kick them where it hurts. If, you know, and your contract, bearing in mind, don't ever be fobbed off by a shop telling you that just supposing I bought this phone and uh, it's, it's an iPhone, so you need to write to Apple. No, 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 no. I bought it from Carphone Warehouse. My contract is with you. I paid you. OK, you deal with it now. They're, they're in a lot of cases, fobbing people off. Well, we'll, we'll send it away. No, I don't know. Just give me another phone. It does not work. OK, I'm not walking out of this shop till I get one and I'll cause merry hell if necessary. I'll stand it till the cows come home. You must stand your ground. They will always try and bully you, stores. But it's, it's that phrase. The contract is, is with the shop that you bought the item from. If it's not of merchantable quality, which means it's not doing the job for which you purchased it. So if it's a phone, it's to make phone calls. That's how it works. If it doesn't do it, then you go back there and you cause, you cause trouble. But you have to be very careful. If you go online and other people can read it, that might influence them. And that means that uh, people might be a little bit upset. OK, and they will. They will take you to court companies. They do it quite a lot. OK, they do it quite a lot. So just be very, very careful. Uh, on the subject of the Titanic, uh, Titanic uh, Requiem, now we reported this before on the programme that it was taking place at Central Hall, Westminster. Um, strangely enough, says John, as Robin Gibb was very much into taking part, he died three days short of the 100th anniversary of when the nation had its first Titanic Requiem, which took place at the Royal Albert Hall on the 24th of May, 1912. We did think that he was going to get better. We did think that he was going to pull through, and we did think that he had a little bit of a resurgence, but it was not to happen. The Bee Gees' career, of course, was really in two parts. It was two parts. Uh, one in the, uh, in the early part of their career, where they were that vocal singing group, and very good they were too, and they brought out some albums with what I thought were some iconic bits of British music. I keep mentioning Cucumber Castle, but if I look through the albums that I've got just downloaded to the phone, I've got stuff that nobody's ever heard of before. And I'm, I'm always interested in, in at what point came the turning point in the Bee Gees' career. They were very good. I remember that dreadful, dreadful interview which was done by... Oh, I can't remember his name now. That um, man who appeared on the television all the time, he was the barrister who interviewed them, who took the mickey out of them. And it was Clive Anderson. And he came on and he brought the Bee Gees on. Now, I don't care what anybody says, they didn't do bubblegum music. They did good, blooming songs. They were, they were very hard-working. They took themselves, not so seriously, but unfortunately, Clive pushed it a bit too much. And first of all... One of the Bee Gees got up and walked off stage because they just didn't want to do it. They just, I think he thought he was being clever. He wasn't. He was being immensely disrespectful and very stupid. And eventually they all just got up and walked off stage. They didn't need it anymore. And to be honest with you, I said the day after that, well done them. Because if you're going to invite somebody onto a programme, you're not going to insult them. Not with their track record, not with the amount of albums they'd sold and their history and everything else. Why would you want to sit on a programme and be insulted by some short little fat bloke whose career took a nosedive after that and disappeared off the television? Mainly because you just can't do that to people. You don't invite people on a programme and then are rude to them. That doesn't happen. It really doesn't. But uh, it, was, it was Saturday Night Fever that was the turning point. The moment they actually got that soundtrack to do, I reckon the Bee Gees had a bottom drawer full of some of the best tunes you've ever heard. And they came up with them and they put out the double album. 
it went multi-platinum around the world. It sort of, it just, it made the film of its, of its time. There was not just them on the album, there were loads of other people. But that time, Robin Stigwood had taken over and was masterminding their career, and they went from strength to strength. Everybody wanted the Bee Gees to write a song for them, and they did. Barbara Streisand had been languishing in the wilderness for ages, and they wrote her a song, and back she came. Back she came again, and the next thing is she's doing garden parties, and it gave her the strength to come back and do the concerts, all due to the Bee Gees. Dionne Warwick hadn't had a hit for years since Walk On By. And all of a sudden, the Bee Gees wrote Heartbreaker, and up it comes for her, and it became, you know, a multi-platinum-selling single across the world. So the Bee Gees were very good. They had a track record that worked. Sadly, in the early part of their career, Andy Gibb, who was the uh, the good-looking boy, uh, meddled with drugs and things like that, and uh, he lost his life. Then we lost Morris, who was married briefly to Lulu. And then, uh, sadly, just only the other day, we lose Robin Gibb. At the age of 62, he had been ill for a little while. The family will be, at the moment, I should imagine, devastated but relieved because the strain to go through this must have been absolutely awful, backwards and forwards to the hospital. And uh, so you'll be hearing more throughout the morning with Susan Bookbinder on the morning news and with Nick Ferrari. That's just my, my, my take on them because, luckily, I was working in discotheques as the Bee Gees album Saturday Night Fever hit. And so that's how we were playing those hits and people were enjoying them back then. LBC 97.3 I think I've almost exhausted my, my Bee Gees memories since four o'clock this morning when we started talking about Robin Gibb because we talked to uh, Robin only a short while ago on the uh, programme and we talked to his wife as well about uh, a book that she had out. As I say, an immensely... Uh, Immensely practical sort of person. She'll be very practical with this. Very practical. They've been expecting it, so they've um, they'll, they'll they'll cope. But they're an immensely private family. They really are. Scott, morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? Morning. Mike? I'm doing good, thank very you. Very sad news about Robin. It is sad, but you know the the, the trouble is, it's the, the good thing about recordings is that you've always got something to go back to. Yes, yeah, true. But I remember I got I did have an LP once years mm. ago called uh, All This and World War Three. Oh yes, yes, I got from that. a film. It's a double album. Yeah, all, all Beatles covers. Yes, all Beatles covers by lots of famous people. Yeah, and on it was a song called Because, sung With? by the Bee Gees and Alice Cooper. Yes, absolutely, yes. How weird is that? Yes, it was a very strange... Strange enough, I was watching Alice Cooper on Top Gear the other night, and there's, there's a whole lot more to Alice Cooper than oh, meets yeah, the eye. Oh, yeah, there is. Like, Alice Cooper and a golfer? No, it don't seem what, does it? <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, I've got, I've got a copy of that album at home, and it's Oh, a, have you? Dub- oh, yeah. I love to get it on CD. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's available on CD. It came out years and years ago, and we looked at it, and it kind of got dismissed at the time as a bit of a novelty album. Yeah, because it was LP just cover as oh, well. it's a great LP cover, but it was just lots of famous people covering Beatles songs. Keith Moon singing when I'm 64. Yes, which, which of course was a little bit apropos for him, wasn't it? <laughs> Poor soul. But it's been a very sad year for music, hasn't it, really? Strangely enough, you, you mentioned Keith Moon. The house where he died was in where the pool, Mama Cass died. It is, is also just up for sale. Is it? It's up for sale at the moment, the, with the pool and everything else. Oh, it's, my uh, God. I know, but I mean, it's, it's, it's part, of, part of rock history, I think. It is, really, yeah. But, yes, all this in World War... How strange that people remember these things. <laughs> I mean, it is the oddest combination. The, the thing is, I think the Bee Gees... People, you know, it, they always thought it was, it was Barry and they thought it was Robin. Morris didn't quite, kind of get the look in that he should have done. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. And Andy, of course, was off doing his own thing, being a teen heartthrob. Yeah, 
And it's like the Beatles. Everyone just thinks of the Beatles as Lennon McCartney. Yes. Look how much work George Harrison done for that. Yes. And look at his lovely house. when I saw the concert for George. Yes. But in, but in fact, the, the Bee Gees have just, they've just got on with it. They've just plodded mm. on. You know, yeah. with with their songs, their vocal harmony, they've always worked, and that's why when they walked off that that TV show, I oh, thought it was... I remember that. I, thought, oh. I was sitting watching. I thought he's turning Mickey. He's going a bit too far. This guy, the old Clive. Isn't I he? don't think he knew when to stop. No, he, didn't he didn't have that off he switch. He kept calling him. He had. They had a name. Uh, I won't say the word. Mm. Uh, but you know the word. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. What? A, he yeah. Said, Let's go back to this word. Let's go back. He kept yeah. on about it. He just walked off. I don't. Good on you. Well done. I think in the end, because I think the leader of the family is definitely Barry, because he's the oldest brother, and I yeah. think he then decided, listen... I'll tell you a funny story. I went to see Eric Clapton once. There's some guy sitting two rows in front of me. I told him, excuse me, mate, can you put your barnet down? I can't see. It turns yeah. around, it's only Barry, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Oh. Yes, I actually bumped into him in Davenport's Magic Shop when they were over the road from the uh, British Museum. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, were, they were just charming. They I should imagine nice they guys. would be devastated. He turned around, he turned around and smiled at me and laughed. I thought, oh, my God, it's Barry Gill. I'm told him to put his barnet down. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yes. the best song I thought they'd ever done was the... Uh, can't remember her name now. Dolly Parton and... Uh, Rivers in the Stream, was it? Islands in the Stream. Islands in the Stream, that, yes. That was just fantastic. But you can always tell a BG song, couldn't you? Well, oh. they always have very good hooks to yeah. them. There's always a good chorus that you pick up on yeah. and you wait for the chorus. And when you get, that's why, strangely enough, I think the, uh, the Engelbert song for Eurovision is, is a winner because it's got three hooks in it. It's got three repeats of the chorus and then it goes up an octave at the end. And that's why I think it's a winner. That's why I like it. But you're right there, Scott. M- most people won't remember the Bee Gees duetting with Alice Cooper. All this in World War Three. It was it was a, a strange concept album that had loads of people. There was another one as well which came out, I think, called The Butterfly Ball. And that had loads of artists on as well. But, uh, yes, I have them. I have these things. I love stuff like that. Because it's funny, it's, it's when you sort of jog your memory and people say, have you really got that? I think today people will be going mad on Amazon and iTunes, and they'll be downloading stuff. My advice is to go back into the Bee Gees' early catalogue, because that's when you'll you'll hear the Bee Gees at their best, when they were what I, what I call their raw best, you know, before they got into the studio scene, and they were really... I mean, they were, it's, it's like listening to the Carpenters. It's, it's never going to change. The music is still going to be as good. It's just that you're never going to hear them performing it live again, because there is only Barry. Whether or not... In a few years' time, which they've done with Elvis, they bring Barry back and they put a backing band on stage and uh, the two other boys as well are projected onto the screen and they all sing as harmony. I don't know. It's been done before. It's not a, not a particularly difficult thing to do. They've got enough footage of them all singing together in, in concert. But really, I mean, really good. But I, I thought Robin was very nice, very, very gentle soul. Very, very gentle soul. But... Uh, it, it was expected. We just You just don't expect it when it happens, if you get my meaning. Uh, Neil says, we saw the Australian Bee Gees tribute group in Las Vegas. Fantastic night. So seeing the real group must have been phenomenal. I don't think you ever... I don't think you ever forget when you see something and you go away and you go, now that was, that was worth it. That was worth it. All the people that wish to remember Robin can give donations to the Bomber Command Memorial. Yes. Uh, 84850, steve.lbc.co.uk. Uh, the Bee Gees were in a film called Sergeant Pepper. It had George Burns, Frankie Howard and loads of other stars. Yes, thank you very much indeed for that one, which is, which is lovely. And uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. 
another one here. I remember the BGs walking off Clive's show. Steve, I don't think they did themselves any favours. Well, I think if you were sitting there, you'd be a fool to sit there while some little short, fat bloke insults you. You know, especially with their track record. And with, you know, and their, their, their track record is their legacy. The music that they've sold around the world, that's, that's a legacy, as far as I'm concerned. Chris says... These Olympic torches cost 500 quid to make. There's 8,000 of them. Who's footing this £4 million bill? Duh. You. You are. They're offering them, I think, for £250. I think £250 is exactly what you can buy them for, unless you're sponsored, in which case you get them for free. I think that's how it works. I think that's how it works. But a lot of people have put them up. The 150,000 is uh, false, as you can well imagine. But my advice would be take them to court. Somebody's stupid enough to post, I'll give you 150,000 pounds for this. Take them to court. They're stupid enough to put it up on there. That makes it marginally more entertaining as far as I'm concerned. Uh, other stories in the uh, the papers today. Steve, always quote the Sale of Goods Act. It's key to securing a refund. The product you buy has to be fit for purpose. Yep, it's merchantable quality. Merchantable quality. Uh, here's, uh, here's the man, Andrew Bell, who said he needed the money from the sale of the torch. And uh, he says, I understand some people may find the idea of selling an Olympic torch genuine, but we could genuinely use the money. Well, we could all genuinely use the money. It's the fact that people think it's a little bit lame so soon to actually put it up on eBay and, uh, and show people your, your greed. I mean, perhaps you could go to the bank and get a loan against it. Perhaps you could borrow against it, I suppose. I don't really know, actually. Somebody told me they went to see the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen film the other day. They said it's so offensive, it's hilarious. And I said, well, I can't stand Sasha Baron Cohen. And they said, you have to go see the film because he offends just about everybody. Just about everybody. I see that uh, Sir Bob Geldof is in the paper today. It's amazing, actually, how little tax Bob Geldof pays. He seems to have registered everything offshore. Which is all perfectly legal, but it's it's the kind of thing you'd think you'd think he'd want to have his property registered here, but not. And they've also got the new Elizabethans, the people who are the good, the great, and the unlikely. There's a huge list in the paper today. At the top of the list of the good, the great, and the unlikely is Queen Elizabeth II. Number two is Diana, Edmund Hillary, the mountaineer, Elizabeth David, the cookery writer, Graham Greene, the author, Fred Goodwin, the ex-chief of RBS. I'll let you know whether or not you think he's the good, the great or the unlikely. Then they've got Rupert Murdoch. Then you've got lovely Barbara Windsor. Then you've got Simon Cowell, Alfred Hitchcock, Laurence Olivier, Benjamin Britten, Dorothy Hodgkin, who's the chemist, Harold Pinter, Richard Doll, the uh, psychologist, and Tony Hancock. And the list goes on to list all sorts of people, including uh, Salman Rushdie, Margaret Thatcher, way down the list. Terence Conran, Peter Hall and uh, Margot Fontaine. But what I find even more interesting in the paper today is the continuation of the series uh, by Marion Crawford of The Young Elizabeth. Marion Crawford, you remember, was Crawfy. Crawfy was the nearest thing to royalty in, in the palace. She looked after the two girls, Elizabeth and Margaret, and she was revered by all the staff, feared by some, and then she made that fatal mistake... She gave a story to Woman's Own magazine and immediately she was ostracised by the royal family. They kicked her out. They never mentioned her name ever again. There were no Christmas cards. There were no nothing. Crawfy died absolutely horrified that what she thought was a seemingly innocent interview, talking about how much she loved the girls and what their life was like behind the palace walls and actually had such an adverse effect. Nowadays, of course, it goes on all the time. 
and people make a small fortune, but they lost Crawfee and they never spoke to her ever again. So everything you read about what went on with the royal family, she knew firsthand because she was there. She was that person who knew exactly what happened. That's why I find it absolutely amazing that they've sort of started reprinting it in the uh, in the paper. Listen, that's it for this morning. A bit sad. We've been talking about Robin Gibbs since four o'clock. And uh, I don't suppose we'll ever get tired of talking about him because he leaves such a great legacy. Our commiserations to his wife and the kids and uh, to the whole family. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget the free podcast is up uh, in about half an hour's time. Which we shall delve into the small celebrity uh, uh, closets, which I'm very much looking forward to doing. Nick and the team with you after the news at seven this morning. He'll be talking more about uh, Robin Gibb coming up next on LBC 97.3. The morning news with Susan Bookbinder. Would the Greco-Roman wrestlers be...